0: Hey guys, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon. I hope you're listening to my buddy's podcast, Top 5 Comics Podcast. You better tune in, I'll be listening
1: with you.
2: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master Disaster, Josh45. Hi. And Tyler Brown, the second suitor. Well, hello there. And I'm CBS. Hi, I guess. I oh, know. yeah, hi. Yeah, I'm trying to work on that. It's only been 172 episodes. So, by the way, we're doing episode number 172. Yeah! And today we're going to be doing uh, only three books today because we're going to have a pretty cool uh, batch of... Uh, Audio from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con that happened this past weekend, which is part of why we have found that episode for the last three weeks. Um, that in the world being crazy, so, you know. Uh, but yeah, I got to uh, hang out and talk with Sam Jones a little bit, so uh, Mr. Flash Gordon himself. So we'll play that at the end. But as far as books, we're going to be doing The uh, Last Book You'll Ever Read, uh, number one, and this is from uh, Vault Comics. We'll follow that up with Batman 89, number one, from DC Comics. And we'll wrap it up with Cinnamon number one. This is from Behemoth Comics. Uh, before all that, I want to talk about a little bit of news. What's in the news? What's in the What's news? What's in the news? Mr. Brown, you had a couple pieces you were talking about earlier?
3: I do. Just a couple small pieces here. Um. I know this is not a video game podcast, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. It's all right. All pop culture, man. Insomniac, who made the very, very successful Spider-Man game, has just received rights, um, and it was announced today, I believe, at PlayStation Showcase, to do a Wolverine video game. Wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Really exciting, because they did such a good job. I think it won multiple Game of the Years um, for Spider-Man. Awesome, cool. Um free roaming like spider-man 2 um just excellent excellent stuff so yeah they'll get to uh make a wolverine game that's awesome yeah uh the next piece i had sorry i'm scrolling here while you're
4: looking the official matrix resurrection uh trailer came out oh yeah everybody here's seen it looks pretty cool um he looks more like John Wick, then he looks like anything, really. But, I mean, it looks cool, I guess. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I thought the second two were garbage, personally. But the official synopsis hints at that the original Matrix sequels are no longer canon. And after the first Matrix film became one of 99's most most critically acclaimed and commercially successful movies, the second two kind of flopped. And so they're saying that this one will be the official sequel to the original film. In the synopsis, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. I don't know.
2: We'll have to wait and see. It's an interesting idea.
3: I thought Reloaded did really well in the theater, actually, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't have any idea money wise. <clears throat> like as far as things, neither one of them were very well liked.
3: No, they definitely weren't.
2: In comparison,
4: Revolution's only the hundred nine, hundred thirty nine.
3: Revolution's definitely flopped, but. Um, both of them were like subpar, critically by far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but ever like 150 million for, and that's estimated um, for Reloaded. Did 741 million worldwide. I was, I was going to say I was pretty sure that it it grossed a lot of money, but it definitely went downhill from there for sure. But I do, interesting enough, really really like um, revolutions. I really enjoy the
4: the um, well, last of the three yeah
3: I really do okay. I, like it a, I like it a lot All yeah right. I really do Reloaded I think is garbage but I do like
2: um, Revolutions a lot as far as other new stuff uh, so Marvel Unlimited service is going to be hosting the new Infinity Comics which is an exclusive line of interconnected in continuity comic books that are only being available on the Marvel Unlimited app so, bad news for print, um, good news for digital. Um, so right now they only have 27 comics, but they're expecting to have over 100 by the end of the year. And they're using top writers, so like all your favorite names from the Marvel. Scape are going to be doing books over there too. And since they're in continuity books, it'll be interesting to see how that affects regular print books, uh, story-wise at least. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, it's not really like a great thing, but it's a thing that's happening, so um i guess we'll see what that does i don't know if i'm a fan so much i mean we have seen some of them come to print afterwards like in volumes so i mean it's possible that all that stuff turns to volume eventually but i I don't know that seems like a slippery slope for regular print comics but i guess we'll see
3: i would guess most likely i mean it would would,
2: yeah because they've done the other ones like a few of the other uh the jessica jones series they put into two different trades and as far as series is, if you loved it, you could buy it still. If you never read it before, well, I don't know. It's it's kind of a, it's hard to be like, oh, here's a graphic novel. You hopefully will like it, right? So I don't know. I guess we'll see. I imagine the ones that do well will go to print. The ones that don't will just not. So, but yeah, that's a a thing. So you know, there you go.
3: Uh, the first Spider Man comic sells for record breaking three point six million dollars. This is Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, which featured the first ever appearance from Spider Man has sold for a record three point six million in an, in a new auction, making it the most expensive comic book ever sold. Um it comes up right behind Action Comics number one, um, which recently recent, <laughs> recently sold this year for three point two five million.
2: So crazy. Yeah, first appearance of Spider Man, Amazing Fantasy Fifteen.
3: It didn't have a grade on the article, which I thought was interesting. I think
2: what I saw was nine point four, but wow, I,
3: that's I, incredible.
2: it's been a minute since I looked at that. That's it's, incredible. Because
3: I think the I think if I remember correctly, Nicolas Cage was rumored to have Super excuse me, Action Comics number one back in the day, and his was only rated at like a seven point something.
2: It's also an older book. Like sure. When it comes, to, sure. When it comes to books and what they are, it's a much older book. But from what I remember, no. Actually, I found a I found a listing right now. It's a nine point six. So I was wrong.
3: That's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool.
2: Nineteen sixty two book. So when it comes to books that are worth money, folks, they're books from the sixties and fifties,
3: as opposed to nineteen thirty. No, nineteen oh, forty one. First Superman. Oh gosh. Both action Comics one number. Action one.
2: Comics one number one. I don't know the year it came out. That's uh, something I should know. I right only now. I
3: only know Detective Comics is thirty nine.
4: Quite a few books
3: in the seventies.
2: Oh, it's not. There's not other books that are worth money. But, like, million-dollar books, you're looking at the 50s and 60s. I mean, there's lots of books from the 80s that are, like, $200, $700 bills. Yeah. Especially with the way the movies have gone. Absolutely crazy. 1938. Uh, that was ooh. close. That was
4: close. Nice. You know there's a company you can invest in, like, a like you can buy stock, basically, but you can buy, like, a percentage of ownership of, like, let's say, Action Comics number one. There's companies you can do
2: that. I had no idea. So yeah. you'd be like,
4: I want to be a 1% owner, and it's worth a million dollars, so you got to put in... You no, know, whatever ten, the dollar amount yeah, is, it's like you can do that's that. That's crazy. And then if it and then if it sells, or if it goes up in price, you make money. And if it goes down in price, it goes. You know, like,
2: so just like the stock market, except kind of. Yeah, that's really bizarre. I'm interested in that.
4: Yeah, I don't know where they're kept or what's going on with that. But who uh, I saw somebody was talking about it. I was watching a t- thing on TV about it. I was like, hmm, seems interesting. That's crazy. I don't know where it's held, but like, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Who's who's keeping this thing on lock and key? So did you guys see the? the in, the animated injustice trailer
3: I haven't watched it yet I haven't well, saved the articles so. well
4: supposedly the official rating of it is going to be rated R Sweet.
2: so <laughs> that's cool have yeah. you
3: ever played that game Josh um a little bit it, 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 the whole um gosh well, how long is it it's probably maybe three hours to if play you, through the campaign yeah, mode? You, sure. you you've gone through campaign right yeah. Josh, it is worth it. I think for you to go through maybe on YouTube and watch that, you would really enjoy it because they, uh, I feel like it 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 leaks so much into the Snyder world that almost like pays it justice.
4: Hmm.
3: I think you would really enjoy it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I've played it a little bit, like a fought like Roger on Marquis House a couple sure. of times, things like that. But
3: the first one can probably you can probably skip, but the second one's really really good. Uh, Andrew Garfield reacts to the rumors he is in Spider Man No Way Home. His direct quote is I understand why people are freaking out about the concept because I'm a fan as well. You can't help but imagine scenes and moments of, oh my gosh, how awesome, how cool would it be if they did that. It's important for me to say on the record uh, that this is not something I'm aware I am involved in.
2: Interesting. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. You could be lying. Oh no! Sure, yeah. It's a. a, I mean, because it's a ultimate reality thing. Could easily be a yeah.
3: I think the fan favorite is obviously Toby McGuire. I mean, I think maybe they.
2: Just from the other pieces, but there's the the fact we're using villains from all the movies.
3: Oh, that's true. Because Electro's
2: Electro, yeah. I mean, I guess Sony could still be really butthurt with Andrew, and you know, elect not to bother with that. But it seems like a weird. Missed opportunity if they weren't to do at least something. But again, it could be reused footage, or it could be footage that was never used in the first place. I mean, as far yeah. as that goes, how many different takes were there from the two movies he's in that could easily be repurposed? And in that case, he wouldn't have any idea, and he'd still be in it.
3: Mm, that's fair because
2: they own that. Footage. They own the likeness so, and everything. Yeah, as far as the they material still have to pay concern, him probably
3: royalties at that point after the fact. I correct? would
2: assume that he get a check of some type, but when we get the check, I mean, after after the movie, yeah. so. Is a very good possibility that he's in it without even needing to be in without it, without even knowing. So interesting.
3: I mean, well, because they also the trailer, the newest trailer. Everyone is saying that the monster behind in the darkness is lizard.
2: From what I understand, he make the most sense. Honestly,
3: everything that I have seen has said that
2: they think it's it's
3: the lizard. Do, doctor,
2: what's his name? Oh, oh gosh, oh, um, um, Connors. Connors. Yes, mm-hmm. Connors. And even if it was Goblin, the Goblin that looked like a Goblin would have come from those movies anyway. True. Because where we saw the deformed hand before and supposedly the bom- and the bomb. he died. Right. Like, and the Goblin Bomb is from the Maguire movies. So, Maguire's movies where it was only Defoe just went nuts and put on a suit, is where the Pumpkin Bomb's from. But if the background was something other than Lizard, and it was, say, a Goblin version of the Goblin, that would have been from The Amazing Spider-Man because we see the deformed hand... Of Norman before he supposedly dies, and then Harry's like, I have a disease. Right. You remember when we were friends and skipped rocks, and everyone said from the other movies, and they're like, Yep, good luck. Because, you know, things were messy in that movie. Right. But, like, as a thing, I, with repurposed footage, it'd be really easy that he was in it without me to be in it. You know what I mean? So, I guess we'll see. But being that they're using pieces from both movies, it'd be weird if they didn't extend it all, a branch of some type, and at least. Cameo it up, you know? Josh
3: is right, though. I mean, he definitely could be lying. I mean... <clears throat> oh, for sure. Just like, I mean, we talked about it before, but William Defoe saying, I can neither confirm or deny. I mean, he...
2: Right.
4: I didn't like Electro, but I didn't mind the Andrew Garfield ones. They weren't horrible.
3: Right. I liked
4: him as Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I did, too. I didn't like him as Peter Parker. Well,
3: we talked about it on Never Been Done. We talked a little bit about... Um, yeah. uh, G- Paul
2: G. Monty. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like
3: Giamatti like Nope, that's the wrong guy. Paul Giamatti, Yeah.
2: See, I
4: liked and I liked I liked him as Spider Man because he was skinnier and small, and he looks more like sp- young like Spider Man because mm-hmm. I thought Tobey Maguire beefed up too much. But I liked Tobey Maguire as Peter Peter Parker because he was all goofy and kind of small, kind of like sure. or, you know. But the new guy kills both. So
2: that's true, right?
4: Yeah. As far
2: as pieces, yeah, he fits better than both. Tom Holland. Yeah, Holland's uh so, yeah, uh, you have something else? Yeah, I do. Um, I've got a couple. Well, I got two more small things. Uh, so the new webtoons and DC webcomic Batman Wayne Family Adventures, um, which is another digital comic, which doesn't seem like a normal news because I'm not a fan so much. But this thing um, being put out by Webtoons is a digital comic. Uh, features like slice of life stuff between battles, so it's more about the home life, I guess, of the Waynes. The cast includes basically everyone, including Alfred, which tells us that it's not continuity at all. Right. But the biggest thing that people are aflutter about on the internet, which I don't really care about, to be honest, is the tone of shade that way Damian Wayne's skin is. Because it's more of an olive complexion, like his mother, Rash Al Ghul. And for some reason, everyone cares. So freaking out about that? It's the weirdest thing I've ever yeah. his mother, Really? His mother, Talia Al Ghul? Talia Al Ghul, yeah. You yeah. said Rosh. Well, Rosh was the grandfather, but. Oh, yeah, I did say Rosh. Talia Tali is what
3: I meant. Mm-hmm. Because Ross is a dude. So everyone's freaking out that he's not white?
2: I mean, that his skin tone is slightly shaded more olive. than... Yeah, it's an olive skin tone, so it's not even... It, oh it, that piece is the weirdest piece. The couple pictures I saw, the animation looks... There, the, the visuals look really cool in mm. the art. So like, I think that's neat. But it's like the thing that people glammed onto is that because... I don't know, soapbox, I guess. Hmm. I mean, it is cool they're doing something, but again, it's a digital comic, and I'm like... Eh. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So,
4: anyway, there's that. Um, the Fall 2021 PlayStation Showcase opened up with a huge tease for the long... Did I steal this from you? No, no, go mm-hmm. ahead, go ahead. A long rumored remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and it's officially going to only be on PS5.
3: Yes, it is. Wow, that's cool. Which is crazy, because said- that game launched exclusively on the 360. I'm so glad you're with me on this video game news right now.
2: Yeah. Have mm,
3: you ever played that game?
2: I'm going to say that one you did. You played a bunch of Star Wars. Yeah, Star. that was a great I, game. I didn't, I didn't play it. You didn't play that great. one? I never
4: had a PlayStation. Great. Or, I mean, uh, an Xbox. Xbox. Or... I never had an Xbox. Well, I've, it I've...
2: launched exclusively, but it wasn't only on. Eventually, it did come over to PlayStation. It did eventually, yes. Yeah, I, I Yeah. I watch
4: people play it periodically. I'm not, I, I'm not the biggest video game I person. Like, I can play things, and then I, like, very quickly, I'm like, eh. I wasted too much time doing this, and then I just quit. So I just can't do that. That's
3: a long one too. It's a full-on RPG. You know, talk to everybody, so on and so forth.
4: I mean, I don't. I don't mind like sitting down for an afternoon and, with sure. a bunch of friends playing some original Nintendo games, like and having some cocktails. But like, other than that, like I'm. Even that when we were playing that like, golf game on PlayStation for a while, it was pretty fun. But like, I'm more of like a, a community video game guy, like all hanging around together in the same room, messing around like that's and talking trash. That's fun to me. But
3: another one, you might be interested in being the star Wars fan that you are watching just the story or even a, a story recap that would take, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I think you'd really enjoy, um, Scarlett Johansson has reportedly asked Disney for a hundred million dollars to black widow, to black widow's day and date release. So I, I read this article a couple of times, and I kind of chatted with my wife about it. And I was really um, on the side of Scarlett Johansson for most of this. Um, and this article basically is saying that her representation is asking for a hundred million dollars plus the twenty million that she's guaranteed based upon a box office one point two billion dollars. Which is what Avengers did, basically. Um, I looked it up. Um, uh, Black Widow did about three hundred and fifty million. If I want, I want to say. So, I, we've talked about it multiple times on multiple different podcasts. But I was really behind her, and now I'm going. Well, wait, wait a minute. You're comparing
2: Black Widow to the Avengers.
3: Yes, it's a, that's an ensemble film with well, multiple leads. Well, so I think that her point
4: is she won't. She'll never get that. By the way. No. It'll, never, no, it'll never happen. I mean, she might get like $50 million. But the thing is, is the problem is, if it made three hundred, what you, do you
3: said? I think 375, 375 So, so if it
4: made 375 and it went to streaming at the same time, she's saying if it wouldn't have gone to streaming, it would have made more at the box office and she would have made more
3: money. In COVID times, there's no way.
4: I'm it, taking COVID out of the equation. Yeah, regu- regular I'm, I'm equation it, when they originally The failed. reason they did that was because of COVID. Yeah. But if you take COVID out of the equation, if it would have been a regular release like it was supposed to be, it would have made a lot more money at the box office. But I, And she's saying that she, like Disney messed up by doing that and messed her around by doing that. And so what she's saying is, like, Avengers made this much money. We could, The Marvel Universe is so popular, we could have potentially made this much money. I don't think it would have made that much. No. But I think it would have made... Would it have made more? Yes. I, I
3: think it would have made $800 million. I think it would have been closer to five, probably, give or take. Oh,
4: only another $125 yeah. million?
3: Oh, yeah. No way. I really, really do. But I, 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 films I, are
4: I, films are making eight hundred on a regular basis right now. Like it's that's like with with inflation and the cost of movie tickets and all that kind of stuff. Like that's really just how things are. Like if you take the streaming aspect out of it and COVID out of it, if normal people were just going to normal movies, people spend money, it's going to make
2: that much money. Worth. Yeah, it's a way different thing. Does it help out My last little piece of news was about in dollars for Shang Chi. This might add a little. Oh yeah, do So Shang Chi U.S. as of today. Being a week in is 71.4 million and uh, internationally is 56.2. So, right now, just within the first week, it's 127 million dollars for Shang-Chi. All right. Now, Shang-Chi also has a 45-day window before it would be able to release digital anywhere. So, it's a hold to release, unlike Black Widow. And it's. Which is what they should have
3: done in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I agree with that. I just thought her. Overall price of $120 million altogether was a little egregious. It's a little
2: arbitrary. Yeah. And like, when they were talking about it originally, she was talking about getting percentages of The box office. Downloaded cut. cost.
3: See, and that's what I think.
2: And percentages of subscription cost, so which my, is an overreach. I but think. the problem with right. subscription cost is you can
4: rent the movie... In a household for twenty dollars or whatever it is. I think they're nineteen ninety nine when you rent the new films. Twenty nine ninety nine. It's twenty nine ninety nine bucks. Okay. Yeah. So thirty dollars for a household for I think forty eight hours. Yeah, they you get it for yeah, two days. Okay, so then like if you have a family of five and they invite all their friends over, it's ten people for thirty dollars.
3: See, but that's a metric I think that you can Disney knows those numbers. I think that you can take or they do and they don't though because like the the
4: problem even they have figured it out and down dumbed it down a little bit, but I think they ch- they've changed theirs to like only three people can log in at a time. You're right, and so like and I don't know if like the device you rent it on if you're allowed to watch it on the other two devices. I didn't think of that. You're right. So like that's there's there's different issues of it. So like let's say that like we rent it here and then and watch and all of us come over and watch it. So there's ten people that watch it here. Sure, but then we used my. My parents, Disney Plus, and they live in another town, and, like, ten people watched it there. You're eliminating so many views for thirty one one thirty dollars time. It's the same as buying it sure. Basically, that's more of a, uh, like, the numbers of renting it, but, like, but buying a DVD. Like, you know, when new DVDs used to come out, they used to be between, two, like, a Blu-ray that was 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, like, nobody really buys Blu-rays. I mean, some people do, like Huff does, but... Did I didn't you, think ha- of that. Occasionally,
2: I buy DVDs still occasionally, but not all of them. You like things, though. <sighs> That's true, I do like things. You just like to have them in your That's hand and look at it and touch it and not open it. Uh, well, no, I usually open those. That's a different it, It's interesting
4: thing.
3: you wrote that I did not think of that, that metric as far as sharing from, pro, from profile to profile. That, I didn't think of that.
4: And, I, and, it, and in COVID times, it makes more sense. But for a movie of that magnitude, like how much money that movie cost to make compared to how much it made... Like it's you know like it's a lot smaller. So that, I mean, they even screwed
2: themselves. It wasn't just her, right?
3: No, no, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I agree.
2: Like day and date release. Had they done it like the Chi, I'm betting the dollar amount would have looked a lot different. And that's and if she was if she's asking for 100 and whatever 110 120
4: 120 million dollars on the fact that it made like 1.2 billion, she's asking for like basically 10 percent.
3: Two hundred million dollar budget and it grossed three hundred seventy two million.
2: Yeah, she's asking based on numbers from the original Avengers movie, comparison wise. No, I think Endgame is what she's comparing it to. Oh, no.
3: Was it Endgame? Mm, it was, I think it was Avengers. According to the article, the fir- the first Avengers.
2: Okay, so that makes a little more sense in Endgame, but it still doesn't make any sense considering what it is.
3: It, yeah, regardless, like I said, I think she's. I, I understand that the metric can't necessarily be tracked. However, I do think she's. she's being, th- and mm-hmm. the, her, a little egregious. So
4: contractually, she was supposed to make ten percent of the, of the gross sales. Right. She, that, I mean, that was her contract.
3: I didn't read the actual contract. That has not been given oh, to anyone, as far as I know.
4: So that's the that's the weird part to me. Is just like, if she's asking for ten percent, that means that she was supposed to have gotten ten percent of. You know what I mean? Because that's she's like I
2: whatever point she took versus percentage. But there's yeah. no way that
4: movie would have made what Avengers did. I don't exactly. Think, I think that that was Endgame because I think Endgame is like one of the only
3: it um, might be the few
4: movies that have eclipsed a, a, billion. Over a billion.
3: The other part is, that's affecting this is actually uh, the Russo brothers came out and are talking a little bit about how how this is changing their outlook on what they want to do next if they do want to do another Marvel film they 're basically siding with Scarlett Johansson which I get but they're also saying okay well if that's what you're gonna do then we're not interested but the solution to this problem is, is obviously what we've what we've talked about which new is hey, contracts yeah, yeah a new contract which says hey this this gets 45 days in the theater which it makes more sense really you get 45 days in the theater and then you have a premiere or uh, premium access sorry and right. then you take it to stream you know, free, free streaming to sure. really make more money
2: I mean, at the end of the day, they make more money regardless yeah. with the with the delay between A and B. But as far as the thing, I mean, it's no different than the window that turned from what used to be years between VHS release right. or DVD release right. that then became six months, yeah. and now the turnaround time is just getting even shorter. Yeah,
3: three three months for so, something to come on on uh, you know digital and or and or DVD. Right. It's quick. So
2: where it's sitting out in the world is very different time wise, regardless. But then LBL is whenever they initially started having these conversations and whenever her people, her PR people try to get hold of Disney about rebuilding their contract based on the new rules and then they just didn't do anything. So like as far as the side she's on, depending how it goes, I'm sure it'll be settled out of court and someday we'll all figure out whatever the number was and we'll all say, ooh, that was a lot of money. Sure. Because it's a lot of money regardless. But depending how well the, how well it goes that direction for her, it's also going to reshape things. So I think with the Russo brothers, what we have going on is that they're also considering that as a thing too. Sure. And for the foreseeable future, even if tomorrow they're like, here's the cure for COVID, everybody, bloop, and they put it in the air, we all breathe it, and no one has to get shots, and everyone's happy, and that's great. I'm telling you, high fives all around. That Ninja sounds kicks, backflips, awesome. Ninja kicks and backflips. Heck yeah, exactly. man. So, If that happened, it's not going to change what the world is now with the streaming effect of things. Now that it is a thing. You're right. Trying to roll back that demon is impossible. It's just like, it's going to be a very similar thing with digital comics. Like, once it became a thing, it's not ever going away. Now, will it eclipse everything? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. I I think the danger there is that if you do away with the cinema altogether, then the amount of money made and needed to make to retain making these movies as good as they are, Becomes the, Every movie becomes a straight-to-DVD.
3: Right, yeah. You, ch- you, ch- you change the, literally the progress of what you're doing as far as how much you're investing in a movie and then how much you're getting out of it. Right. And your quality changes drastically, I'm
2: sure. It would have to. Yeah. I mean, there's not any way that's around a, That's a good point. But yeah, as far as hmm. that's concerned, I mean, that was the last piece of news I really had was about Shang-Chi's numbers and that being impressive.
3: How is Shang-Chi? I haven't seen it yet. It's
2: good. Yeah? It's good, yeah. The second half, when you get to the effects and the creatures, they look just amazing. Oh my gosh. The Kung Fu in the first half is really strong. The second half, not quite as much, but you're dealing with fighting magical beasts, so it's not quite the same thing.
3: So I don't want to ruin anything, hmm. but I'm in the middle well, where am I? I just finished Civil War last night. I'm watching Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order, and oh man, I tell my wife every night, I'm like, as a DC fanboy, I'm so jealous, because it's it's <laughs> so good. Like, it's I knew it was good, but it had right. been so long since I you know, sat down and seen quite a few of these films. Ten Rings shows up in Iron Man 1. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it, do those correlate together? As far as, I mean, it's the same thing, yes. Um, this,
3: it's the same association? Same association. Okay.
2: Now, was that what they originally intended? I'm going to say no. No,
3: I don't think so either.
2: But as far as the thing where we are at in Shang Chi, it all comes from that same batch of stuff.
3: And do they tie it up nicely in a bow without? Because,
2: anything? good, I mean, for the movie for the cinematic world, yes, uh, they do. They cool. correlate the pieces with both with all three of the Iron Man movies, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, wrap it up in a nice little package, and we move forward. Um, is it comic book right? No, but that's okay. Whatever. At this point, they're their own universe, regardless. So. Elements come from the comics and are merge how they need to be for the movies.
3: Speaking of comic book movies and, or excuse me, speaking of comics versus movies, Josh and I had an interesting conversation the other day. I rewatched um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Sure. And Josh, uh, a couple weeks ago, was talking about how in What If they talk about uh, ego being a celestial. Right. And he calls himself a celestial in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I. Didn't know that.
2: I guess I didn't really remember Me it. Me
3: neither. I had no clue. He's like, I'm what you call a celestial, blah, blah, blah. My name is Ego, so on and so forth. And I was like, I text Josh immediately. I was like, dude, he's he's been a celestial that long, and we didn't pick
2: up on it. No, it didn't even iron it out into a thing. Yeah, I don't remember it yeah. happening in there, but if it did, it did.
3: It did. And not only that, that means Peter Quill is a celestial, or half.
2: Well, was. Once oh, his, that's right. Once, his, once, right. The, once the light goes out. Happens, there's no once more. the light goes out, yeah. He's just a dude now. It's over. You're right. So,
3: Anyways, I just thought that was really cool that Josh was really onto something, and then I watched it, and I was like, holy cow, that came back around like
2: that, and it was totally a thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems to be where they're heading with things. Like, even with, there's a piece, so Shang-Chi, for those listening, has two in-credit catches and uh, one of those, I think, has a piece that might connect to that, maybe. Maybe.
3: I'm excited. I want to see it.
2: It was definitely, it was definitely good. Like, it's, it is it is good. Like, in Aquafina. occasionally she annoys me, but in this movie she's really great, so...
3: I think she's pretty funny.
2: Comedy-wise, she usually does pretty good. Like, I like her in Ocean's 13 a lot. She was good yeah, in that, yeah. I like her in Future Man a lot. I, but then after that I, I mean a few of the other parts of this thing I don't care for her. sure but in this she does really really good like just her comedy bits are good because she's funny but yeah there's plenty of other things where I'm like oh my gosh come on lady but this she did great so gotcha fantastic uh, any other news over there 45 nope Mr. R- Mr. Round
3: I'm all out sir
2: alright why well, we move into some uh, some comic books then let's do it you wanna tell me a story about the last book you'll ever read
5: Just to let you know,
3: there will be spoilers. So I'm going to tell you a lovely story about the last book you will ever read. Numero uno. Um, this is Vault Comics, and the writer is Colin Bunn, and artist is Leia Lays, L-E-I-C. So, this book, um, kind of, kind of, um, Has a lot of dialogue that seems to be coming from somebody, and we'll get to it. But mostly voiceover stuff. Yeah, mostly voiceover monologue. Monologue, yeah, and and then it kind of gets to who who we're who we're talking to. So, a bunch of people on a subway, kind of just hanging out, doing whatever you know, normal you know day in the life. It looks like New York City. A lot of people. in a subway reading things and it says civilization is a lie, well-crafted, complex, nearly perfect. Uh, we've been conditioned to behave, um, to, to be courteous, mannerly and polite in a society, in a society that is individual in its sort of way. Um, again, just people just kind of hanging out, um, on a subway and they, we focus on a particular gentleman with glasses. Um, and, he seems to be getting off the subway, kind of going about his day. Again, the voiceover uh, monologue um, talks about sometimes the glimpses through the slip, uh, sometimes little glimpses slip through pinhole f- uh, fissures when we cast off with rest restraints. Uh, we were remembered when we have eyes in the front of our head and when we hunt. From there, he moves into New York City and. I, I I expect it's New York, but it's a very very big city. Um,
2: so this is the old man from the train we're following. Right, the, old, right yeah.
3: the old man from the train. He's got glasses and a nice blue suit. Um, he's then mugged, um, and somebody grabs a hold of him and says, "What do you want?" Please, please, please! Uh, I don't I don't have much. Take it all. This is the guy talking to the the gentleman who's mugging him. He says, "This isn't a robbery. It's a calling." And again, the voiceover is talking about how the truth really excites us, predator or prey. And we just see this uh, blood curling scream happening from this alleyway, and no one moves. And from there, we see the man in blue, the older man, and he is covered in blood. Um, The two people who were mugging him at the time are now laying on the floor, or excuse me, laying on the concrete, just covered in blood and are obviously...
2: Um, part of their insides are on the outside. Yes,
3: there's definitely a lot of gore. Um, he then begins to vomit and is throwing up blood and he steps up, brushes himself off and moves back on into the rest of society, the mob, the mob of people. Um, the voiceover says, uh, we pray right up until the moment we hunt, excuse me, we're pray. From there we move into a reading and signing by Olivia Cade the author of Sater. Uh, she's in a in a, a what well, it seems to be a bookstore and she's She's reading this book to these people and it's obviously her book. She's talking about how society is a is a security blanket and it's warm and comforting and eventually there's a thread and you pull on that thread and you can't stop pulling on it because It's so satisfying, and essentially the satisfaction comes from us
2: becoming more primal, if you will. Yeah, it's about the the, how the destruction of whatever is fulfilling. Have you ever pulled apart like thread or string or like even like on a shirt? Sure, yeah, it's it totally is a thing. It is a thing.
3: Um, so the, the book signing ends and she has this wonderful, uh, assistant who comes up to her and says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining for this reading of Seder. Uh, if you give us a few moments, we'll be signing your copies of the book soon. We see the man in blue or a very similar man, uh, walking up and standing in line and they're all getting this book signed and a couple, you know, um, conversations happen. Hey, I didn't really understand this book and, oh, it's very interesting. Um, oh, I loved it so much. And you get a couple different perspectives as far as, what, what the, what the book is. Uh, finally, a man comes up and drops the book, his book that's being signed and it's covered in blood. And it, she says, Oh, the author, excuse me, she says, Oh, well, I see this has been a much loved book. And she looks up to see an old woman and this old woman is staring at her. And just as she goes to sign, this woman leaps across the table, screaming at her, um, you know, it's I'm just, gonna kill you, uh, yeah. prophet. Offer, offer yourself to us. She's obviously just blood rage. Her eyes are super red. Give yourself over. Give yourself to us. Um, the wildlings want your blood. She's she's not. She seems like she's going for the throat, but she's definitely she's
2: definitely um, There's a lot of ripping and tearing, and yeah. biting motions that are happening. Exactly. Like her voice, the way it's written, isn't it? Is crazy re- red? Yes. Like yes. Hard lettering, mm-hmm. like red font. Yeah, yeah. it's it's well, compared to everything else, it's wild.
3: Um, Olivia, the uh, the author, again, she's you know, fighting her off, and security comes and pulls her off. Uh, then her assistant says, "You okay?" And she says, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." She was really really strong, and she attacks one of the security guards, and she smacks him and swipes him across the face. And um, at that time, she then starts to go after his throat. And she ends up on top of him. Again, blood is spewing everywhere, and she's, you know, growling and um, talking about prophets, so on and so forth. Olivia and her assistant um, start to escape, and one of the security officers shoots this demonic woman with super red eyes, um, and she falls and dies.
2: Mouth covered in blood, and just like, she kills the other cop. It's crazy. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, that other cop is totally dead. Um, From there we go to a talk radio show that's talking about Seder um, and talking about how it's affecting society. And these two radio show um, people are talking basically about how it's not an excuse um, to change what society has happened. Um, It's sparking a a great debate as far as people who are reading it and then changing in some way, shape, or form, whether that's... um, due to society or due to reading this book, we're not exactly sure yet. Um, From there, we see books being burned, um, and and literally the streets just a a mass, mass, mass rage. From there, we move to Olivia and her assistant, uh, her assistant's trying to... I don't know if we actually get her name, actually. Um, I don't remember. But we, we see her getting Olivia, the author again of Seder, trying to get her into a secure location, uh, she kind of says, Hey, you know, if you're okay, I can, you know, stay with you and, you know, relax. You know, if you need anything, oh, why don't we have a drink? And uh, she pours her a drink, and uh, the assistant says, No, I'm fine. You know, she kind of walks out, and Olivia is immediately distraught. The moment she shuts the door, she's shaking. Uh, she can't pour herself a, a drink, and she starts sobbing. And there's this weird hiss coming from the book, which she has a stack of sitting there. Um, from there, we can see her looking out the window, and she's looking kind of at her reflection, and her reflection is a dead person, I want to say?
2: I mean, kind of. Like, the eyes, when we see the close-up of it, it's like her dead, but not dead. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's
3: her if she's turned into one of these... Yeah, one yeah. of
2: these rageful demon, people. right?
3: Right. You no know, rageful. You know what this reminds? It reminds me of kind of twenty eight days later zombies. Sure. Gonna, yeah.
2: Like the way they look afterwards. Right.
3: Yeah, because it's kind of rage. Uh, from there, we move to a security, excuse me, police officer who um, the assistant had said would be watching her twenty four seven. This gentleman is a part of the executive protection team. Uh, they introduce. Uh, she says, uh, "You can call me Olivia." And he says, "Great, you can call me Connor." From there, we move to her looking again outside the window and red, red eyes. She's seeing um, whether it's her, or whether it's what she's supposed to be, or whether she's going to turn into it, it doesn't really matter. Um, she says, Even the roaches want me dead. A lot of people really want her dead, thinking that this book is causing that much of trauma um, on society. From there, she goes into talking about how she's going to go on tour and this man Connor is going to be her watchful eye he suggests that a tour is probably not the best idea and she says well I'm not paying you excuse me my publisher isn't paying you to tell me what, uh, what what what's in my best interest you're just here to protect me From there she says oh one more thing my book Mr. Wilson whose name is Connor have you read it and she he says I'm afraid I'm not I have not and she says good I don't need a reader. From there, we go back to the man we met on Subway, and he is just going about his business. Again, we have voiceover talking a lot about skin, flesh, nerves, um, and, and a lot of ex- ex- what have seemed to be excerpts from the book. Um, and he comes home, and his, he's covered in blood after his being mugged and uh, vomiting blood and so on and so forth, uh, to his wife. His wife says, Herb, where have you been? I've been, I've been worried sick about you. She says, what's that all over you? And he's, she says, is that blood? She looks down at his hands and there's blood everywhere. And he looks at her and then lets out this scream and he smacks her across the face. And she's on the floor and what, why, 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 why? And from there he digs into his wife's neck and starts biting and tearing her to pieces. From there he, there's blood everywhere, um, he grabs a book and he sits down on his chair and starts to read what seems to be Seder. Yeah, yeah. As if, as if it's all fine and normal. Everything's fine and normal, and he goes about his day. So that's the last book you'll ever read. There's a lot more dialogue in there that I didn't really touch on, but um, it, it it sets it up maybe a little bit better than I did. But it, it's um, how do I put it? It's definitely meant to be read, not 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 heard, for sure. Sure, for sure.
2: Uh, you got a score for that book, Mister Tyler?
3: Oh, I, I didn't really like the art to begin with, and then the more and more I I, I, I went through it, I might probably give it a, a three.
2: Huh? Mm-hmm. As far as like style of book, I mean, it is definitely a horror story, and Colin Bun, fantastic writer. He's written a lot of he's written a lot of horror stories actually, um, and this particular artist, like I like her a lot. Uh, this isn't like this particular book doesn't showcase all of her like her talents. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's one of those like as you as you go through it you start to notice more detail inside of it than you normally would in f- the first read through cuz it's got a lot of stuff going on that's in the background and between the people and like all the people on the subway there's things that are happening that if this was a movie they'd be really well cast extras doing things. So like I like that a lot. Um I give it a 3 also. Um I mean as far as Vault's concerned, they've been doing a bunch of really cool books. And they have been. As, as far as product, I mean, it sits in a different kind of place. It, the closest thing I can uh, akin this thing to is a movie that was called In the Mouth of Madness. And In the Mouth of Madness had Sam Neill in it, and it was a very similar concept. Um Not the same, but similar. And uh what's going on with this and her becoming affected by her book, too, it's hard to say what exactly... uh what exactly is really causing it, if it's actually...
3: Right, it definitely leaves a lot to, 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 to for you to.
4: To build, too. Yeah, yeah,
2: it really does. Uh, Josh, do you know anything about that book?
4: I don't, I'm not a big fan of horror books, and I don't like the art at all. I mean, I give it a pretty low rating, I give it, like, maybe a two. Right. I just, I don't like horror books, and like the, to me, I, I mean, I, I disagree with you, like, I don't think the art's good at all. Like, I, I was look when I was looking at it earlier, I was like, maybe it'll grow on me, and then I was just like, no, I mean, just kind of, I mean, it's not messy. I'll give it that. Like sometimes when art's subpar for me, it's because it's way too messy and it's not necessarily it's just too messy. It's just like,
3: I don't know, man. I just, I think uh, you had to go one way or, or another on that art. And I think that it's it either too, needed to yeah. be minimalistic or it needed to be not. And it's a mixture of both. There's too
4: many sketchy lines yes. in that I hate. Yes. And it's like, it, and it's too like archy. It's too archy for me. That's true. It, and it's so I don't know. It was pretty yeah. Not your flavor. Like the bloody stuff is real is really messy. That's yeah, bloody, so wow, well, Yeah, but
2: it's yeah. Best style wise is not your style book. Right on. Uh we'll see after that. We have some Batman eighty nine.
4: So this is Batman eighty nine, and if you don't know and if you don't know this then well, you're, you've missed out on something amazing. There was a Batman movie in nineteen eighty nine with Michael Keaton, and they only made two of them. They made Batman, they made Batman Returns with Keaton, and that story, that universe, um, ends with those two, ends with those two movies. With those yes. two movies, like they do, they did make some other Batman movies back then, but they don't continue with this universe. And in this universe, um, Harvey Dent was played by Orlando Calrissian and Billy uh, D. yep, Colt forty five, and um. He had yet to turn into Two-Face. Um, we,
2: this is, book is a continuation
4: of that.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's a continuation as if it was a third movie in the Tim Burton installments. That's what it's designed to be. Right. So,
4: um, this book t- begins October 31st in Gotham City. And um, it is written by Sam Hamm and, and is drawn by Joe Quinones. Right. Queen
2: owns. That, that, that sounds. Yeah.
4: No, it's Queen owns. I go, I googled it. Nice. So it's spelled with a Q, but it's like que, like Queen owns. Anyway, so it picks up with uh, we have Harvey Dent sitting in like a a, a sky high um, fancy restaurant, um, orders a really fancy bottle of alcohol, and uh, he's sitting there on a date with somebody, and he's. He's kind of talking her up, and she's asking, "Is this on the city bill?" Is this? And he's like, "Nope, no city business tonight, uh, Miss Barbara, Barbara Gordon." And he can—he's t- on a date with none other than Barbara Gordon. So Jim's daughter, yeah. And they're sitting there, and outside, she sees something f- like fly by the window. and She's like, "Oh, Harvey, my God, I just saw something outside the window moving." And she's like, "But Barbara, we're fifty-nine stories up." Then it pans to the news, and there's a news a newscaster woman, and she's talking about how there are kids out dressed up, even though like the city's been um, Halloween's been deemed no longer safe for kids, but kids are out and about anyway. And we've seen a, quite the popular costume this year is a Batman costume. But then also you see another popular costume um, that the newscaster's asking, like, "Don't you think this glorifies a dang- dangerous criminal?" And the guy's dressed as the Joker, and said, "Who well, who said that?" And She's like the gentleman in the uh, Batman suit. And he's like, Oh. And then it pans to some, some like th- kind of a thug looking guy, but he's got like a red nose on, like a clown. Yeah. And he's counting down and on the opposite panels as they're going down, it's, it's Barbara and Harvey at dinner still. And he opens a, a, a ring box and. And she's like, I, I, Harvey, I, I wasn't expecting. And he's like, take it home, try it on, think it over. Maybe this will help you decide. And he hands her the coin. And, uh, and he's like, heads yes, tails no. And he's like, and I'm feeling lucky. And she's like, really? Did that just happen? You gave me a two headed coin? And she's like, well, keep your co- silly coin. My answer is, and then right, right before she was supposed to say yes, um, the you know the other side's like four three two one and the clown guy like covers his ears and there's a h- huge gigantic explosion.
2: Right. The, the two things parallel each other, so the countdown's happening midst the f- s- proposal. And so,
4: outside, what's going on is there's a bunch of Joker goons looking, and they have Joker patches on their jackets, which at this point, Joker's supposedly dead. Yeah, he's supposed. From what we know from the Tim Burton movies, from he's the end dead. of the movie, he is yes. Um...
2: And I'm not sure if this takes place before Returns or not. I would think not. No, it's the way I understand it, it's supposed to be as if this was a third movie. So it's supposed yeah. to be after the uh, Penguin and the uh, Catwoman stuff.
3: Some of the goons that show up a little bit later do have that skeleton kind of look of them that did show up in Returns. So I thought that okay. was interesting.
4: A bunch of other Joker-looking goons kind pop out, and there's two bank trucks, basically security trucks, that have... Kind of gone end to end, and they're like, "We have about ten minutes before the boys in blue show up." And he's like, "Roger, Roger that." And uh, Batman's up on the rooftop, and he's like, "Gordon, are you read my location?" They've got artillery. Bring out your g- big guns. I think I just figured out the plan. And you see a helicopter like flying down. It's like, "Hey, this is a big old Russian model. It's gonna, it, you know, cost us a fortune." When they they hook the two money trucks up. And they're going to take him out to sea and drop him on a ship. And Batman's up above the helicopter, and he sees what's going on. And he soars down, and he lands and disconnects the trucks, but hooks the helicopter up to a steel beam on the side of a building. Right. And... The helicopter crashes into the side of the building. One of, it looks like one goon jumps out, but I don't know if all of them did. And yeah. there's people in the truck. There's two guys in the helicopter. And then one guy, there's, there were guys in the trucks as well. And, um, and as they see Batman, like, kind of soaring away from the explosion, the rest of the goons see, see Batman coming down. They're like, ah, change of plan. Let's, uh, let's take this guy down. And they start to just unload on him. And then you see the gigantic Penny. That is uh, pretty notorious for being in the back cave, like up on the side of the bank, and it falls down and crashes. And he uh, radios to his—I guess you would say—radios. He calls to his car and he says, "Shields up, come fast!" Right as you know, right as he jumps in the car, the police show up and they're like, "This is the police. This area's been secured. Do not attempt to leave." And uh, then it pans to Barbara and Harvey. And they're walking out of the out of the restaurant, and and he's on the phone with somebody. He says, "National Guard? Why not? We're a national laughingstock. Gotham City's always good for a freak show." Where's Gordon? And then uh, a Joker guy runs by and grabs Barbara's purse, and uh, Harvey is like, he's like, "Hold it, you!" And he like chases after the goon and chases him into an alley, and the go- goon pulls a pulls a gun out, and he's like, "Give me that Rolex." And so, Harvey takes his Rolex and puts it on his knuckles. He's like, here you go, and make." puts on his knuckles and punches the clown in the face and knocks him down, grabs the gun, points it to the other goon. And, uh, he's like, whoa, whoa, man, like, cool, cool. We're just, you know, we're just having some fun. He's like, I'll have to tell you what, heads you die, tails you walk. And he flips the coin, and obviously it's the,
2: it's the two-headed so coin.
4: And, uh, and then you hear blam 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 and like Barbara hears it and runs around the corner and he's he's laughing. He's like, It's all right, I just wanted to scare him. But it kind of is showing his initial like the little bit of him riding the razor's edge of kind of chaos. Yeah, yeah. that will come later as as two face. I would have loved to have seen Billy D as two face. great. Like, Absolutely. I think, think it have been amazing. Um
2: that, he shows he's fired the gun in the air and just he's like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's awesome.
4: Go on, sorry. Um so, anyway, Barbara runs around the corner and is, like, screaming, like, Harvey. And then she's like, I could have replaced a purse, but I can't replace you. And as they're standing there, you see the Batmobile drive by. And then it flashes forward to the next morning, and you see Bruce waking up and Alfred opening the curtains like he normally does. He's like, all right, dude, get up. And he's like, it seems like you have some uh, some, some injuries there. Do you need do you need some first aid? And he's like, nah, it's a little dinged up. He's like, where's my breakfast? Like, I'll be serving you downstairs. You have a visitor. And he comes downstairs and a Harvey Dent's already there, um, drinking what looks like a mimosa, and uh, he wants to talk to Bruce about convincing. Um, he needs some help from Bruce, and he's like, "I want I want to take down Gordon, even though I'm engaged to his daughter now." And he's like, um, "He's like, but I don't like the way this things being run. He's letting Batman run rampant, and he's just like, he's like, you know." I believe I believe what you're saying. He's like I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. He's like, but Gordon's been my friend for a long time, and uh, so Harvey gets up and he's just like, um, "Well, thanks for the thanks for the coffee, Alfred." And um, I'll see you guys later. And he and he leaves, and Bruce is like, "Well, I'll never turn on Jim Gordon. He was the cop on duty the night." My, he's like, "Well, I'm well aware, sir." He's like, "I was referring to the larger pitcher. And Bruce says, well, same as ever, Alfred. If I think I'm doing more harm than good, I'll quit. And then uh, as Harvey's driving away, he, he's like, no sale, which I figured I just wanted to hear him say it. What do you find it in the Batman locker? And uh, there's a lady downtown at the police. T- oh, it's Barbara. It's Barbara. Yeah, she's on the phone to her when yeah. he's like,
2: yeah, he didn't buy into it.
4: Yeah. Um, but she's doing research, and um, they have some things on file. and They're trying to find some like p- possible DNA or, or something, and she's looking at like uh, she's like, oh, it looks like some like a boomerang with a mix with a throwing star, and looks to be computerized target system. Harvey's like, Santa's elves must ha- must have a hell of a R and D apartment. He's like, all right, I'll see you later, and it, then he he's pulling into a uh, crappier part of town. Which is uh I guess a part of Gotham I haven't, I I haven't heard of it before I, which is um Burnside?
3: I've never heard that before either. Yeah,
4: I never heard any Batman comics before.
2: Well, Burnside they did sort of use it for Barbara Gordon's storyline, but when she was in like her Burnside was supposed to be a totally different place. So I don't know if this is like the narrows gets talked about a lot sure. and then they talk about Bloodhaven or Haven, The Palisades. And the Palisades. And this area, I I don't know. I don't. It's not like an original using, I don't think. But I don't think where Barbara was and where where he is is the same. So I'm going to say it's the first time we use it in this kind of continuity. And it's not a name I'm familiar with.
4: Right. Well, it's, it's a crappier part of town. And he pulls up and there's some kids playing in the street. And there's a an older gentleman like in front of an auto body shop. Harvey's driving a super fancy car. And the kids like, hey, I, hey, mister, I really like your car. He's like, you want to take you for a ride? and like hands him the keys he's like "well I'm um, yeah but I'm only nine mister" and uh the old guy's like "you all leave that car alone" he starts talking to the old guy and flashes back to uh, I think it's the same guy but it's, I'm pretty sure that's like flips the coin and yeah. gives it to him the first time and he's like he's like I'm going to flip this coin Harvey and heads up you grow up to be a big man. Tails, you're nothing but a bum, and he flips it and so I awesome. thought that
3: was a little confusing. I think that could have been done a little bit better.
4: Yeah, you're not sure if it's him or not. if, it's, if right, was maybe talking about his dad, and this is a different guy. because exactly. Then you realize it is maybe the same guy. Um, but anyway, he's like, you don't call, you don't, you don't come around here very much anymore. He's like, oh, you know, I do, but I, you know, this outfit just kind of is a costume I have to wear when I'm, you know, in front of all those other people. Like, so he's wearing, like, talking about where he wears a costume as well.
2: Yeah, the way he's dressed is to keep the man happy and keep the system running. It's, yeah, a very duality thing, but yeah, it's, it, what I understand is supposed to be the one of the men that raised him when he was a kid, but the way they're drawn isn't, isn't enough alike, I don't think. So
4: then later that night, um, it's Harvey at, like, City Hall, I guess, and, uh, He's like, every place I look, I see young people, children wearing the colors of this lawless maverick. We tell our children, to obey the law, respect the law, and yet our commissioner of police embraces this vigilante and this one judge and jury who hides behind a mask accountable to no one. Respect the law, we say, as we enlist a criminal to fight crime. That is why I'm asking Gotham City Council for a vote of no confidence. And J- Commissioner James Gordon. And then Bruce is sitting there watching, like the TV, he's like, wow, that Harvey worked fast. He's like, I think he must help, uh, it looks like Harvey's doing the speech, but then right here it's like, one thing I'll say for Harvey, he works fast, I think he must have helped write the speech. But it's like, he's the one giving the speech.
2: Well, most political figures don't write their own. True,
4: yeah, he he did have a speech writer. Oh, I see what you're saying. But it just kind of seems like a pointless piece of
2: dialogue. It's a little weird.
4: Agreed. And then he's like, "Uh, sir, you may want to have a look at this. And it's uh, the bat signal, but there's a slash through it. And it's uh, Bullock and Harvey are up on the rooftop talking about He's like, he's not coming. You know he's not stupid. And he's like, well, I know. He's like, we haven't used this signal in six months. And you know, worry has got some kind of electronic back channel with Gordon. now, That's how they communicate now. And as, the, as they're having a conversation about, like, you know, they have to replace the glass ever so often because some cop comes up and beats it with a sledgehammer, which I think is weird. Like, that.
2: Yeah, the cops, half of them hate him, and, like, the only one that really likes him is Gordon. So this is still a lawless Gotham where, I mean, they come and they smash the, the the light because they hate him stopping them. It's just like the, uh like, during the movies, or the Tim Burton movies, there's only, like, three cops that were good, and all the rest of them are supposed to be on the take. Right. So, like, yeah, it's a... It's just a reference back to that time frame when there wasn't like a Montoya or um, the two the two guys that work with Montoya. It, it's back to a time where we only had like one real friend, which is Jim.
4: <laughs> right. Um, well, anyway, like it's Batman up on the rooftop checking out what's going on, and he's like, "Well, that's Denton and Bullock," and there's three snipers in buildings nearby. And as he's talking to Gordon, and Gordon's like, "Snipers? Oh, good lord!" He's like, "That's Bullock for you. He's he's a shark. He smells blood." Dent already knew about. Bruce Wayne told me today the jerk engaged to my daughter he's like Bruce Wayne he's like no I'm dead Bruce Wayne's the one who told me the whole department knew before I did she and I don't talk much but why am I telling you? He's like i don't mind look i'm not i'm not long for this job the channel we're on may be compromised one last piece of advice stay off the streets for a while the national guard has orders to bring you in alive or otherwise if i don't see you again thanks we try and Gordon smashes the uh the communication device that he had with Batman Goes back to the streets, and you hear some gunfire, and the National Guard's out in full force, and uh, you hear some some gunfire, and there's a shop owner chasing some thief with a gun, and they're like, hey, freeze, drop your weapon, the National Guard do, and they're like, he's like, I can explain, he's, he had a sawed-off shotgun, he cleaned out my cash drawer, and uh, so Batman follows the, the, the thief, and it's, it's a young kid going in a window, and he just has diapers and some food is all he has, and he goes in there, he's just like, hey man, where's the money? He's like, he's like he's like hey don't hurt me like you know like my like naisha she didn't she didn't do anything I'm, I'm I'm not gonna hurt anybody like and he's like hey, so where's the money he's like there's no money it's just diapers and food and then uh, as he's talking he's all of a sudden like some like a green clad person with like a yellow cape which I would assume could eventually be a Robin character that we're leading up to that's the case but like does some sort of like karate kick to Batman's face and knocks him off the, catches him by surprise and kind of knocks him off the side and he is able to shoot his grappling hook gun up and like hang there for a second, and uh, the the green clad vigilante hands the the kid some like eight bucks. He's like, "Here's eight bucks. It's all I got." And as Batman's hanging there, the national guard like hear the commotion, run around the corner. Batman just hanging there, and they're like, "That's him, all right. If he moves a muscle, let him have it." So, um, kind of a cool idea. Like, I hope they you know i'm i will read it again. I'll be serious to where it goes like I like the I, I like the the premise um I think the art's pretty weak in it me personally um the story could like the the dialogue the writing could be a little bit better uh, I mean uh, I don't know I don't think that they spent enough time with like Michael Keaton and like i I think the harvey dent like lines were written okay but like the Bruce Wayne ones are a little, little weird. So I don't know. I give like overall, I don't know. What do you guys think before I give my vote?
3: I, I think this could have been a really, really good book. And I think it could have been really, really well done. I think that the character of Michael Keaton looks nothing like him. I'm with you. I think the art looks poor. Um, It's an amazing concept to go back to what everyone wants to see, and it's just not executed well, in my opinion. Um, There's pieces of dialogue, just like you said, that are, why is this here? What are we doing? Who cares? Um, Jim Gordon uh, has such a small role, and I think it would have been really cool that I loved him in 89. I loved him in 89 Batman. I thought he was so cool. Um, it does focus, I think, a little bit too hard on Harvey. Um, him and Barbara together is really weird to me. Uh, the hooded figure at the end, again, like you said, you know, clad And I had to ask CBS, like who, who, who? who I, I didn't care. Um, yeah, I, it, to, to me, again, this this is executed poorly for something that could have been a banger, a banger by far.
2: Do you guys scores in there at all?
3: Um, I, I'm i I'm, I'm gonna score it lower than our last book. I'd probably give it a two and a two and a half. Huh? I give it a
4: two. Yeah. I huh? mean, I was I kind of hoping for something cooler. I mean, maybe it'll pick up a little bit, but I mean,
3: the art takes a lot away. I hate to say that, but I expected something um, super clean, and it it's not. Not that art is the end all be all, but for me it it uh, it it, it should have been it should have been better.
2: Well, as far as the thing, I mean, I'm a good a higher rate than that, but maybe it's just because I'm the way I'm, I'm, the way I'm connected to those movies more. And like, I, as far, I mean, as far as the thing, I give it a three. I think the cover's fantastic. And I'll give you, maybe the likeness of the people isn't quite as sharp as, as other books are when they do it. Um, but with the story, you gotta remember this stuff is all stuff that was heading out of what Tim Burton was doing and with his, uh, his casting of Robin, they cast Marlon Waynes to play Robin. I, I understand. And like that whole follow through. I mean, that's who that is at the end. That with the yellow, that's that's who it is. But
3: again, I had to ask you.
2: No, no, understandable. I and,
3: mean, and why do we care?
2: Well, other than he shows up out of nowhere and fights Batman. Uh, well, he's the vigilante
4: for like the that part of town because right. they're talking about there's all these different vigilantes. I I grasp the point that they're trying to introduce a Robin character. I mean, it is what it is. And it's all fine, and like I mean, not to take away from cBS's like but I you're you're not any more connected to the I mean that's my favorite Batman these are sure. my favorite Batman films comparatively to everybody first
3: the, Batman film I ever saw like, for sure I like
4: mean. they are my favorites. I love them more than any of the Batman films sure and like so, and I feel like that they're i I mean you never said Keaton' your favorite Batman
2: well, I mean I have a different favorite Batman, but as far as movies are concerned, I prefer watching these to the others. I mean, I like Adam West Batman, so I'm like the anomaly in that group. You, you prefer,
3: you prefer '89, you prefer Batman 60, in
2: Returns, Batman '66, really? Yeah. Okay. When I th- when I think Batman, that's who I think. Man, like face wise, that's the face that comes to me. How many times has Batman derailed us? Anyways. I'm just saying that we like, should have
3: a we should have a counter we should have a whiteboard up in
2: here.
4: I think that that's why it gave us such a low rating is because I like those those sure. movies so much more. Well,
2: I can see and more from it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the art is not as sharp as I would have liked it to be, and like the faces. I think Billy D looks pretty much like Billy D. Yeah, Billy D. When it comes looks, to everybody else, it's not quite as. Hey, Gordon close. looks like pretty severely overweight
3: to me. Yes, like it does not look well. Okay. Gordon what? Mm, yeah, Gordon was, I mean in in 89 Batman for sure. Uh I mean, I mean he, he was. Went, yeah. Uh Alfred spot on. E- the other problem you have here and again, I mean we talked about it a little just in kind of Josh's breakdown is uh, this 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 throwback scene or this uh, uh what
2: where he's supposed to be a kid. Sure. Yeah, it's we, not What's his, going on? It's not as close. Well, so he's meeting a man from the neighborhood.
3: No, I get it now, him. but again, I I mean you yeah, had yeah. to ask. Like right. wh- this is not clear cut and Cut and dry as far as oh, this is kind of a flashback to so and so and so and so. If you wanted a little bit more Two Face, you wanted a little bit more um, kind of craziness. I think you could have focused a little bit more on Billy D. Williams and the coin and 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 maybe kind of just drilled that home. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I can't go any. What did I say? Two and a half. Two and a half. I, I can't go any higher than that.
2: With the o you don't have to. As far as like a thing's concerned. I, I don't necessarily know if we need a backstory for the coin, which is what that is supposed to be, I think. This is where he got the coin. Like, when he was young, this man used it to motivate him because it was a flip of a coin that made him become a big man and have a good job and, you know, do something with his life. But it was the trick coin, so it doesn't matter. So it's like, yeah, it's like a origin story for the coin. And just like with Solo, I'm like, do we really need the origin story for the gun? Or the dice? Or the dice? That exactly. uh, didn't exist before. Exactly. So like, no. So I'll give you that piece. I feel like it's kind of a waste. The rest of it I liked, but that oh. piece is kind of a waste.
3: Give give us the score.
2: I think I said three. Oh, okay. I think That's I said right. three. You did say you that. So.
3: You're not far off from, what did you say, Josh,
2: two? Yeah. Two, two and a half. So it was like a trickle. A falling down. I think 30s. you're more in love
4: with the nostalgia whole thing than anything. Is Probably. I think that's what you're trying to say. But but
2: it could have been a
3: banger. I mean, it could, it could have. have. It, that's my thing. I That's where I get disappointed. I'm like, this could have... This was this was something to me where we talked about multiple times on this podcast that I've never been done. You know, it, talking about how, wow, this is something that's really, really cool and a, and a really great idea and it's something we've always wanted to see and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden you're like...
4: Uh, man. But even like the pre- like the they, they do some Superman 78 like pre-art in the back like some early like sketch sketches and even that looks more like Christopher Reeve. I actually
3: didn't see that I, it does not look like
4: I mean that looks like it does
3: that looks like more way more like
4: Christopher Reeve than like Batman looks like Keaton does and unless, not look like
2: unless Keaton. they had to really shy away from the likeness thing which I don't know like rights wise that may be a thing for real but I don't know enough to know that. That's the only thing I can think between the differences. I think next week we'll probably have that Superman uh, not 78. Because that, that's another one I had in the group to do for books.
3: I guess I expected if you're going to so. go... Wow, what a catch. Uh, I guess I if you were going to go this 89 Tim Burton, I, 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 maybe I expected a little more gritty. Maybe I expected a little bit more dark. Maybe I expected a little bit more... And the cover, the cover by the way, you're right, shows that. Like, this is... If the whole thing looked, you know, similar to this, yeah, I'm in. But
2: Yeah. yeah, the art the cover itself is just fantastic. It is fantastic. So I mean that's 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 a that's a good eye catcher. So we'll see how people feel about issue two, because issue two is out this coming week. So which I'm looking forward to it, but maybe there's just a nostalgia book that's got me and that may very be what it is. Because uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Billy Dee Williams, so.
3: Do we have any cool variants, by the way, cover wise, as far as for
2: this? Um, it did have a second cover. Um, that was a that was a B cover. This cover is far stronger than the B cover was. The B cover is more a picture of Harvey, or yeah, of Harvey. Okay. And it's it's okay. It's not a bad cover, but between the two of them, uh, this poster movie cover was way better.
3: Usually, I don't care about ads in a comic book, and I was reading this, and I was like,
2: man, that ad looks. Good. It kind of,
3: it kind, it kind of took took took, took me away out of from it. it. Sure, I mean, it took When
2: well, they do black and white books with the color ads, I feel that way pretty much always. Which doesn't happen a lot, but it does occasionally happen. Yeah, super annoying. Well,
3: the the Superman looks great. I mean, again, just like Josh is saying, that seventy eight looks just like Christopher Reeves, and maybe that's a little easier to do. But
2: um, yeah, well, maybe it would be a likeness thing with paying rights to people. I mean. Reeves has been gone for a minute, and his wife's gone, so those kids are still around. Yeah, but some of this is... likeness-wise, who knows? Some of
3: this is wonky, man. Like, look, look, look look at
2: this—just
3: this, just this tiny little panel.
2: I'm not disagreeing. Oh, I know you're not. I I was just,
3: I was just surprised. Like that—that looks like something out of a Sunday morning. I agree. Yeah, a a Sunday morning comics, you know, cartoon. I again, I I think. I mean, I usually give you know higher scores, but this definitely. It could have been just amazing, and it fell short for me.
2: All right. All right, I'll stop hating on your book. I'm sorry. I I didn't make it. (laughs) I know. As far as the thing, you're the DC fan. Hey. So we'll move on to Cinnamon. This is uh, from Behemoth Comics. Uh, Cinnamon is by uh, Victoria Douglas, and uh, she's the writer and artist on the book. Um, This is a three-part miniseries. Um, as far as uh, material, it had three different covers, and all three covers I thought were amazing. Um, so, <laughs> so the precursor of this, Cinnamon is a cat, and that is what this story is basically about. Um, so when we first open up the book, uh, this particular cover has a, a very action-packed, leather jacket-wearing, um, high-top shoe-wearing version of our cat on the front, exploding out of a uh, cinnamon-spiced spice can for this particular cover. The other two covers were equally awesome, so uh anyhow, so we open the first first page of the book, we have uh, a a uh, a woman coming in through a door with a bunch of bags in her arm, uh coming home, and she's like guess who's home? And then it gives us this little bright up of who who she is. It says spoiler alert, it's Lady 24, Leo, and like gives like her breakdown of like what she is. And then we cut to a shot of cinnamon, normal cat stay on the floor, Alert to the master coming in. And it says, Cinnamon, uh, six, I think it's supposed to be six months is what that is.
3: Yeah, six months and fully shots vaccinated.
2: To date. Yeah, shots up today. Shots
3: up today, which is so clever.
2: Yeah, it's the
4: age of the cat and like what it's like. Yeah. How many shots have had? Yeah,
2: yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> as she's coming in the room, we see the basically normal apartment, you know, it's got a kitchen, it's connected to a living room. And, uh, so a lady says, oh, there she is. Where's my good girl? You being good? And, uh, in, in the cat comes, you know, interested in, uh, Master being home. And, uh, she continues to talk to the cat, being, she's like, I've been gone shopping all day. So as the cat's pawing at her legs, you know, because it missed her, and is smelling around the bags, she, she bends down, and she's like, oh, I think, I think I know what you're smelling. And if you can be a little less of a psychopath today, maybe I have something neat for you. And then we pull back to reveal that she's got a box of catnip, and she puts it into the top covered above the, uh, sink and toaster and fishbowl and in, in the kitchen on the top counter on the, on the on the very top shelves and she's like yeah I might give you a little bit of catnip and then we cut to the next scene and we see that when the words catnip are said they turn into like these bubbly dish shaped word bloom differently and uh, we're seeing that this is how the cat is responding to her saying catnip and we get a close up of uh, Cinnamon's face with uh, stars in her eyes and a picture of the box hanging in the bottom, like reflecting through her eyes. And this giant like, oh my god, I can't believe it's catnip, kind of thing going on. And uh we zoom back from there to see a shot of Cinnamon again, looking up at where the catnip has been put. And uh the words again ripple through the air um for effect. Because uh, the cat saw where it went and then heard the words and it's very magical. Fantastic. So funny. Uh, yeah, so we cut from there to we, uh, have, like, kind of a close-up on the fishbowl. We see there's a little goldfish in there, and the goldfish and Cinnamon, they're their friends, and they talk to each other, if any of that's believable. And, uh, says, Cinnamon, you gotta chill out. I can't, I can hear your brain spinning. And, uh, we see Cinnamon, of course, you know, looking as much as she can over the counter, being a small cat. And, uh, we cut from there to a shot of the the over-the-shoulder of Cinnamon, wearing a leather jacket with spikes on the edge. He says, nothing is ever out of reach for me. And then we cut to the, uh, goldfish in the bowl using a keyboard, you know, cause that's how they do things. Um, it's like, but this time, you're, you're better off. You, you can't get to the, you can't get in trouble. Cause I, I really don't want to cross, I really don't want to cross her. And, uh, so we find out what the truth is for Cinnamon. The goldfish is like their hacker person when they need help. That is basically what the goldfish's job is, is to give Cinnamon information on the situation. Um, as things are happening. Uh, so we come from there to see the inside of the city. And inside of the city is a transformed version of the, uh, the kitchen. And, uh, they call it Big Kitchen City. And, uh, from there we see Cinnamon riding her motorcycle, all, like, hardcore, biker style. <laughs> it, it's just awesome. Uh, action lines everywhere as they, as they rides up. I gotta get set. I gotta dig in. If I'm ever gonna get to this, I just can't be. I can't be stupid. Don't be stupid, Cinnamon, because we see the uh, the fish talking to him still, and we get this giant splash page, which is Cinnamon on the Harley, riding through the city with Cinnamon all big in the top. Very, I don't know. It's very like um what Frank Miller did. The books for Dark Horse that were with the, uh oh gosh, what was the name of that series? They made two movies out of it. Like the way the title is written is like Sin City. That's what it's like. All right. The way the lettering is put up there is kind of city esque Uh, anyway, so we see that giant splash page, and we pull back into the street where Cinnamon's riding away on the bike into the, into the, uh, big city kitchen. And it's, uh, so what are we up against this time? And we cut to the, uh, real world, and we see the fish talking to Cinnamon from the top of the counter. And, uh, it looks like the mayor's, cause the lady, her, the owner, is mayor of Big Kitchen City. So the fish is like, it looks like the mayor has the universe's catnip held hostage because it's the entire amount of catnip in the universe, which is hilarious. Uh, and it says it's being held in the uh, t- penthouse suite of her fortress, uh, the the business uh, premium cabinet unlimited. And so we see what looks like the side of a building, except that instead of the apartments, they're like counter cabinets. Right. Which is, I mean, it's dual, it's dual purposing of what's happening. So the way the cat sees it, it's awesome. Anyway, it's like, I can't take the direction approach. This would be impossible. But if I get lucky, there's another route. And then we see a shot of the kitchen from above looking down. And you show these arrows where it shows jumping onto the chair, jumping onto the counter, walking across the counter, jumping from one counter to the other counter. So it shows like, these are the steps I have to take to get to the side I want to be on. And we cut back to Cinnamon on the Harley all action post style getting ready to jump. And we pull back from there to see her running in the living room around like a crazy cat. And uh lady's on the uh couch and she's watching her She's like, you zooming around there, having some zoom time? And uh she's like, well here, let me uh let me give you something to play with. And so she throws this fake mouse toy to Cinnamon. Um and then from there we cut to a shot of a lady and she is also wearing like a leather jacket, has this evil face looking on her and she's like Mama's gonna gonna watch some Netflix and she throws these rather than just one toy rat, also there's like three of these crazy looking rat face things that uh now are on their own motorcycle to attack um cinnamon. She we- changes
3: character though, like she turns into oh, yeah. like this she
2: full on looks like an evil like yes. an evil
3: monster. Lady. It's really cool.
2: So she goes from yeah. her like shorts and T shirt mm-hmm. to uh Full on leather jacket with leather dog j- tags, yeah. and yeah. like her hair is all yes crazy, and her eyes are just demonic. It's great. Um, so we see the cat or the uh, the rats come riding up on a motorcycle, and then we see a shot of real cat of the real cinnamon playing with one of the toys, just kind of bouncing it around. And we cut to the rats. And he's like, "You ain't got nothing, cinnamon." And uh, now the two of them are riding next to each other on Harley's, and the cat the rats are shooting at the cat. And then we see a shot of just cinnamon like, pouch perched above the rat, punching downward, you know, like a cat would play with a toy. But we see in Cinnamon's eyes, all three of them getting punched out by this giant leather jacket wearing, punching them off the bike, action style, and then we see the rats just kind of roll around the ground with their eyes all crossed out like they're dead. Action sequence style, it's awesome. And, uh, you dang rats, and as they all go flying across the ground with speed lines, and we cut to real life, and we see that Cinnamon has knocked the rat underneath the, uh, underneath the refrigerator, to keep the rats away. And then from there, she What's uses... What he say?
3: Go back to where you came from? Yeah, go back That's, to where you came it's from. It's clever.
2: You darn rats. You darn rats. As it knocks them underneath the <laughs> underneath the refrigerator. And it's just one toy, but for the...
3: Right, it becomes a... a, a action sequence a pack. Yeah, yeah. A whole pack of an rats. action sequence.
2: Uh, so from there, we see Simon jump on the rat's bikes, and uh, the explosion behind him launches him into the kitchen. He's like, you really should know, I really should know by now. Cats always land on their feet. And it, like, pulls his jacket down, or pulls, it's her, Cinnamon is a girl. Uh, she pulls her jacket down all, like, I don't know, triumphant style, I guess?
3: Sure, like that victory
5: pose. Yeah,
2: cats always land on their mm. feet. Ugh. The one liner. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, so then she approaches the building, which, uh, again, is the sink, just dressed up like, a, I don't know, like a mayor, or mayoral, mayoral office. And the top of it has a, a batch of, uh, like pillars coming down with an arc above it. And then we see in real life that is the top of a wooden chair. The back of the wooden chair is the top of the uh top of the building where the doorway is to get inside. Uh so we see cinnamon climb up onto the chair, and then we see a side shot of Cinnamon in the leather jacket, of course, action style, climbing up what looks like a ladder on like a fire escape. And uh, as she pulls herself to the top, we see a, a shot of her looking over the top of the counter, in shock. And then we cut over to our fish, who is the uh, man at the computer, the man
3: at the keyboard.
2: I mean, it, I, I, every time we see the fish doing stuff, all I can think about is Ned. Yeah, Ned. Exactly. In Spider-Man, spinning Exa- around in the I computer be your room. Your guy. Yeah, that's all I think about the entire time. So, it's so good. funny. Anyway, so the fish is looking at a bunch of computer screens. He's like, "Of course she would be this devious." And then we see a shot of the actual countertop. And the actual countertop has a bunch of glasses on it with water. So like a whole bunch of them just sitting there. And it's like the entire rooftop is covered with sensitive explosives. And then we see <laughs> what Cinnamon sees, and it's a bunch of dynamite stacks all in the same places that the glasses were.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: With it, you know, glasses this, full of water. Right, the glasses full of water that are all these explosive traps. And he's like, "You got to be careful, Cinnamon." And uh, all the bombs, of course, armed. And so, uh, as, uh, the fish is talking to Cinnamon, trying to convince her to be careful going through the landmines, or the bomb field, um, we see her in the jacket slowly moving through, and it's like, ah, oh, if I can be careful, I can make a path through. Maybe if I, if I just push over one of them, then it shows nope, her trying to move it really slowly, and then we cut to the real cat, or the real Cinnamon, and it's like, oh, there's no way, I, what are, the fish is like, what are you thinking? You gotta be careful, what are you doing? You're gonna alert her. And of course, we see the cat with her hand on the side of a glass, pushing it over to the edge. Uh, then we cut to cinnamon, action cinnamon.
3: They see T on, TNT on them, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah, they do. Okay.
2: They say they they, they're full on explosives. Like they're dynamite sticks. So good. Wrapped together. And, uh, she's trying real hard to move it real slow. And then, we, of course, we cut to the real life where we see the cat just push the glass off the, off the counter. And, uh, from there on the top, we cut to the next page, and it's a full dynamite cake going off the top. And Cinnamon's like, "Yeah!" And it falls to the ground, explodes, which of course alerts Lady, the mayor, in the other room to the being a problem in the kitchen. Um,
3: she's busy watching Netflix. She's
2: been busy watching movies. You know, being out all day doing things. He's like, "What the heck are you doing in there?" And uh, from there, we see a kind of real Cinnamon sitting on top of the uh, on top of the counter, looking. Caught from smashing the glass. You know how cats do when you're like, No, stop it and they're like, I know I'm in trouble, but uh and uh from there we see a shot of cinnamon looking like uh sad that she got caught, and we jump back to the the action cinnamon. He's like, Shoot, this is a mess now, I gotta I gotta go, I gotta make this jump and we see action cinnamon attempt to jump from one counter to the other counter. And while that is going on, all of a sudden out of the ground a giant mech arm shoots up and gets a hold of cinnamon. And we cut to Real World, where we see Lady has now looped Cinnamon underneath her arm. And she's like, nope, nope, here we go. Up you go. And she picks her up and takes her out of the uh, out of the kitchen. And we see the reverse of that. What Cinnamon sees is, of course, a giant mech suit. It's like, why do you always have to make a mess? I have to clean up. And uh, inside the mech is, of course, the mayor, or Lady, driving the mech. And uh, in real life, we see Cinnamon hiss because she's been picked up. And uh, the mech suit's like, how rude... And carries Cinnamon in by her neck with me in a giant neck suit. So by the jacket.
3: Nape. That's what they call it. Nape by the, the nape. The nape of the neck.
2: And it's like, at this time, you're going, you're going to, you're going to miss out a little bit. And she takes her in there. And so, of course, the cat starts fighting her. And so in real life, we see that Cinnamon, of course, is freaking out, like spazzing to get away. So my brain automatically thought, this is exactly how Captain always tries to get away from Josh. Whenever <laughs> Josh is playing with Captain, Captain tends to spaz out and just claws everywhere. A hundred percent. And that's exactly what it is. And so all of a sudden we see Cinnamon, like, get away from Lady, but both her claws land into the arm and drag across, and then, uh, we see an action shot again, and, uh, Cinnamon swipes at the Lady, and, uh, we see the mech suit take a giant header in the face, and Cinnamon goes flying past. We see the truth in real life is that Cinnamon scratched Lady on the face, and Lady is very sad because it hurts. And she's like, "Bad girl, I can't believe you did that to me." Oh, and You're it's, like, I had just
4: a horrible day, and all I wanted to do was relax for a little bit.
3: I really like that. Yeah, she's
4: like, "I had this terrible day at
3: work, and all I wanted to do was just like, try and be a good mom." And I love you so much. And blah,
2: blah, blah. oh, it's exactly what it is. That's exactly what, what she's talking about. Like dialogue-wise, all of it, it's great. And then uh, we see a shot for a second of a uh, action cinnamon, and it's like, "That's that's for dang sure. You better think twice before you mess with me." And then off watch the mech suit, like away. And the mech suit walks over and sits down in Big City, not facing Cinnamon at all. It's like, oh, is that all you got? Is that what you're doing? We aren't finished yet. And then we see in real life that Cinnamon is sitting there lamenting being left alone. And now that mom is ignoring Cinnamon, Cinnamon is sad because he doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to be ignored. Mm-hmm. And so Lady's now sitting on the couch and is like, you're being a turd right now, leave me alone. And uh Cinnamon's response to that is, Oh, I'm the one? I I'm the one being bad. And uh so she climbs up onto the couch and of course wants mom to be nice to her. And uh Mom's,
3: Everyone's had this conversation with their pets. Oh, for too. sure. It's, yeah, yeah, totally.
2: If you've ever owned it any time. Any of animal, pet.
3: You're being a turd right
2: now. Right. And then so she basically is putting her in time out, and of course, as that goes on, we have some more dialogue w- with her as the mayor, and it's all worded very Oh, it's very very harsh, but it's definitely things people say for sure. It's not it it's just hilarious the way it works. And uh eventually comes to the end of the uh the dialogue and it's like, I like to be good, I'm trying to be a good mom, and Where where did I just go wrong? And we see a shot of uh, real life cinnamon going from being angry cat to listening to the conversation and their attitude changes over three panels of being angry mad cat to being, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk cat to being, I'm sad. I'm a jerk cat. It's awesome. <laughs> like three faces are so amazing. Like they're great. And then we come back to action cinnamon and action cinnamon is like, I really love catnip. Maybe, maybe I overcorrected because of course now, now cinnamon's not going to get any catnip because cinnamon's been bad and scratched mom. So, uh, you know. Not a happy kitty. It's like, yeah. No, I mean, we can just be friends. Let's just be friends. And so we have, like,
3: Doesn't the gold? I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm so You're sorry. Go You're ahead. doing so good. No. Doesn't the goldfish at one point say, do you really want to mess with her? She's the controller of the cat She does. Did that happen earlier oh, yeah. or did it happen it's, right it's here? Earlier. It's earlier. Okay, i It's sorry. before we get it's up there so, and knock over the glass. It's
2: so, oh. oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Like, being the man in the corner or the man in the computer, the, the fish is just I'm so, so sorry funny. to interrupt. Go on. It's good. So good. I, I went past it. It's totally there.
1: Okay.
2: Um, but yeah, so we have Cat, we have, uh, Cinnamon basically decide that she's going to try to be friends again. And so you see Sad Kitty putting its hand up on mom, trying to be, I'm sorry, and now rubbing on her. And she's like, leave me alone. You're a jerk, Cat. And, uh, Cinnamon eventually be- convinces mom to be nice to her. And so we see like a, a action handshake with mom and <laughs> action Cinnamon. Uh, from there, it's like, oh, well, I guess the only reason you you'll get a treat for being good. And so mom goes and gets the catnip, and then we see Cinnamon sitting next to a cardboard box, real Cinnamon, not action Cinnamon. And mom sprinkles some, sprinkles of catnip into the box, and in jumps Cinnamon, and just starts rolling around in the catnip. Uh, so we have a shot of real cat in box, that cuts to a shot of action cat in box, And now the action cat's view of the world is turned into a giant party.
3: And a big party with a banner that says, I haven't learned anything.
2: Yes. Because they're still rewarded regardless of scratching mom, regardless of all the damage, destruction. So good. It's hilarious. Um, That's where the first issue ends with the cat getting rewarded anyway. And it's a giant party in Cat Town with the fish as a DJ. It's hilarious. I want
3: to go first. I want to go first. A you p- told me about. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I'm sorry. No. There's a
2: on. tiny backup story that has to do with putting your cats into costumes. Um, it's only two pages, and it's so there's. The, I guess originally, whenever she was making this, that she did a batch of little short things that she called Sim and Toast, and that's what this is. So the drawing is a little more crude because it's older, but uh, it, of course it starts out with Lady. And it's like it's outfit time, and the cat's like, "Oh, don't take me away," and she puts her into a. Basically, a, an outfit, a, yeah. A, yeah, like a, it's, it's a lobster <laughs> it's outfit. So cute. So like a mask that has two arm claws that hang off. So the cat ran around and it looked like it was a lobster because it was extra legs. And, uh, initially the cat's super mad about it. It's like, Oh, this is, this is, this is the worst. How's my, li-? and then she says, How's my litter glamour model? And then the cat's like, hold up, model. We cut to the last page and now we have action cinnamon with claw hands and pose in a crazy lobster t-shirt like some kind of runway model, and it's like, oh, this is the best. So as soon as Cinnamon knew she was in a model instead, all of a sudden it was amazing to wear the outfit, and fantastic. Take my picture. Um, It is just fun. Simple, kind of simple art, but the art is great for what it is. Mr. Brown, I'll let you go first.
3: I'm going to go first. I would give this book a five. I'm not even joking if it had better art. I'm going to give it a four. Um, it, it is so fun and so great and so funny and you told me about this book I think a couple weeks ago oh, yeah. and I was like that I'm not a cat person I have dogs I'm not a big cat person cats and I don't normally get along uh, captain being the obvious um caveat of that uh, regardless I was like me I'm not interested that was the first book I read and I was like this is the book of the night
5: because
3: <laughs> it, is, it is so well done and it's great. The dialogue just uh, is so clever. Again, just like we talked about the fish being Ned on this mission to get the catnip. There's a point where catnip, uh, I think, is put into some kind of vault or some kind of electronic something or rather, and it's so clever. Uh Yeah, uh, this is great. A, a four out of five for me. Loved it.
4: Forty-five. I give it a four as well. I thought the art was fantastic. I like the color scheme. Um Simplistic art was really, I thought was really cool. Went with it well, like it was really hilarious. wasn't long enough for me. It could've been longer. It was almost too jumpy a little bit sometimes. Like it was, like it could've been a, Like, you know, I think it seems like it's she's an early creator, so maybe she'll get that. letter love it, later on later on. But like the jumping back and forth, was sometimes was a little bit too jumpy. But like I thought it was really good. Yeah, four. I give it a four. I thought it was hilarious. And you guys know how I love my my cat. So
2: right, oh, my cats, cats, cats. cats. <laughs> <laughs> The cats and dogs, both. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, book wise, it's real fun. I mean, art is simple, but it fits for the kind of story that it is. So, it's, I mean, there's plenty of things are disproportionate about it, but the fact that we're basically living the story through the vision of the of the cat, it's awesome. And like the transitions, like I'll give you, there might be a few too many, but I I like the way that they worked and the duality of the like the water glasses being bombs in the way the chair looks in the chairs, the, the front of the buildings opening, like all that stuff. I thought was so good. Um, score wise. Yeah. I go to four and a half. Like it's got a cool feel to it. Heck yeah, man. It's, it's fun. I mean, it, as far as the, uh, like I said, the covers are just so action packed. And when we get to the, the first splash splash page with cinnamon on the Harley, I'm like, I'm in this is awesome. So great. And like I as far as the thing being it's the same lady doing the whole thing, I think it's fantastic. Um it's only a three part story, so it's only, it's a mini series. But even like the little backup story at the end where the awesome the cat oh on the model? Well in that case, freaking awesome. So good. Uh so fun. I really I really hope that there winds up being more as we go forward in the world, other than just the three. Um it, but yeah, it's real cool. There's a little little tiny write up in the back talking about the real cinnamon and about her her life with the cat and like it's is really pretty cool. And like you said, if you have had any type of pets, then these conversations are things that you've had, because the occasionally they do things that are annoying, and even though they don't understand you, you still talk to them like a person, which is awesome. Or maybe they do and they just don't care, which I mean is also the lesson you learned from this book that's that how no, I talk to
3: my pet dude, no lessons are ever learned I talk to my dogs I'm like
1: hey I love it. dad loves you have a great day I walk right. out be good boys You.
3: Know, it's it's totally, oh, totally. that yeah, yeah. and anybody who loves their pets is the exact same way I've seen Josh do it I've seen you do it to Josh yeah. I do it to Lucy and Robin Right. and Leroy
4: I always go out the door I'm like alright guys I'll see you later I love yeah, you don't right. F anything up
3: <laughs> be good boys is what that's I say right. be good boys no, it's it's it connects on a personal level, and I think that that that's probably one of the best parts of it. Is everybody knows that, and everybody has that moment at the end where, oh, I've had a long day, and I've I've been a good dad to you all week. I've given you food and given you water and love. Just don't knock over the TNT that's sitting on the, on the counter,
2: <laughs> please. Don't push that. Come it's, on, it's great. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Fantastic. Super fun book.
3: I forgot to talk about my favorite part of the book, which talked about jelly bean toes, which comes up and he's like, I would bet my jelly bean toes that blah, 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 blah whatever it is. And I remember, I, I, again, I'm not a cat owner, but I remember Josh multiple times talking about only oh, jelly bean toes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so funny.
4: I always squeeze them. The yeah. yeah like, oh, jelly bean
3: toe. I would bet my jelly bean toes that that's where the catnip is. So clever. Anyway, yeah. Anyways. 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 <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, it's it's really great. I, I'm digging a lot. Speaking so, so of cats, we have got Captain up in here, right? Causing
3: problems. pro He's a problem. sure. look at him. Hey, he's a
4: bad cat. <laughs> he <laughs> literally is the worst he's cat. He's a oh, bad guy. that I've owned. You picked him. I did. You he's too. a he's a terrible cat. He's so handsome. <laughs> he's fat and a jerk. He's not fat. Oh, he's fat. No.
2: It's he's good good a good boy. He's a good boy. I mean, he does like to bite, though. He it's does like to bite. That's, That's how true. he shows love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's terrible. Sure.
4: Uh, In the morning, I'll be petting him, like, and then I'll stop it. Like, ah, yeah. And then I like I pet him again, and he like he quits biting. He quits like biting down, but he keeps his mouth open on my skin until like while I'm petting him. So like, if you stop, I'm going to bite again.
5: <laughs>
2: Such a jerk. He's there. He's ready. It's funny. Get him, Captain. Yeah, as far as book, fantastic, it's great, so good. Did um, you score
3: it, Josh? What'd you say? Four, four. Yeah, I'm with you. Four. Freaking book a, book of the night for sure. Freaking awesome.
4: I think the other thing that I mean, I know this is a little a little thing. I like it would have gotten higher score too. Like when it's when it's like superhero, like tough tough guy cinnamon. It's like it looks like a guy. And then when it's so like, but it's a girl cat, and then right. So I don't. I, that's kind of like my whole. I was like, mm. I just,
3: no, for real. I didn't know it was a girl cat until yeah. she says so. Yeah, that's what I was. Just like, that's oh, fair. A girl cat. That's fair.
2: <clears throat> anyway. Um. Well, let's see, as far as books, that's all for books. So we do have some cool audio from well, audio, I think is cool from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con this uh, past week, so 2021. Sam Jones. Yeah, Sam Jones, Mister Flash Gordon. So I got to spend a, a fair amount of time with the man, actually, um, at his booth, and uh, listen to him during, during a panel. So the audio that you guys are going to hear, uh just to preface it what it is, uh, so while I was talking to him at the booth about a couple of things, that so the, the way the world happened, the panel happened first, and then me talking to him at his booth was afterwards, like maybe half an hour later or something, and uh that went on for a fair amount of time until eventually while we were talking about certain things, I'm like, yeah, well, I, you know... It, as we were talking about things, I asked him a c- couple questions about like the Tycho Atiti thing which we mentioned before. We
3: didn't mention on this podcast though, I guess by the way. We yeah, need yeah. to talk we need to talk about that real quick.
2: Yeah, for a second. So like uh um, I guess at one point prior to Tycho being as popular as he is now, he took and was trying to pitch the idea of an animated Flash Gordon show and they got shut down as a thing, and now he's in the process of turning it into a live action like and actually happening now that he's
3: So so the animated project got cancelled and right. then it got moved to be a live action. action live action which is important because originally he wanted or type of white TT wanted a flash Gordon sequel if i remember correctly right. that's what it started right
2: yeah yeah flash Gordon 2 is what, uh, what they were doing okay. whether the live action is going to be that or not i don't entirely know um but he's like yeah at this point we're still working on doing something with it which I think is really, really cool, because even if it is like a passing the torch kind of scenario, I think that's great. And like just as a thing, getting more Flash Gordon would be really cool. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so anyway, as we were talking, he's like, you should be recording this stuff. And I'm like, you're right, I should be. Because I didn't even think about that while it was happening. And uh, so as I turned on the recorder, this fellow walked up in in and that was one of the cooks at the, uh, the sporting arena, because we were in a hockey arena. That's where this convention happened at. It was in the, uh, I think it's the Westboro Arena up there in Colorado Springs, and uh, they have a full like kitchen staff. And the kitchen staff, of course, did all the stuff for the uh, the press room and the uh, and the celebrity room. So like all the food that was presented for the for the guests. Anyway, so one of the guys that walked up during that 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 is a chef there, and so we. Flash started talking to him about, Flash, Sam, gosh. Sam started talking to him about cuisine, and then eventually, I turned into talking about Italian cuisine, which the man really does love, because it comes back a couple times during the evening. Anyhow, so we recorded that, which was, was neat, and eventually, like, we got to the end of the night, and uh, the convention itself was getting ready to close down, and the buses were coming to move all the celebrities back to their hotel, and so he had the, he had the call up for the evening, um, and, uh, you know, sign a couple autographs, which I mean, I have, and eventually he'll get one of those framed, which would be awesome. Because he, he did two of them for me, which is great. So, yeah, so that was the end of, like, so the, as far as things are recorded, we we, we got that recorded, and Sam gives his, uh five or six things necessary for a uh, a good Italian restaurant. It, it's awesome. Uh, anyway, so the audio is not the best audio, because we're you know, recording in a hockey arena, and uh, uh, it wasn't directed in a way that we were doing, like, an interview or anything, so... Which I,
3: Comic-Con were you at?
2: This is the Colorado Springs Comic-Con, got 2021. It. Nice. So just a few weeks ago, uh, which we got a couple other interviews from different artists up there too, which eventually we'll put on the show too, probably the next couple episodes. But yeah, as far as show is good show, it's fun. Sam, awesome dude, really great to talk to. You. Uh, the second piece of audio is from his panel. Uh, so a moderator was asking questions in the panel and that's what that's from. Um, so again, I mean, the audio is, not the best audio in the world, but at the same time, it's still pretty cool and it's neat to hear Sam talk about things. So he gives, he re- recalls different things during the Flash Gordon, um, movie and the filming. And there's a batch of questions asked by the audience. So hopefully the questions from the audience are loud enough where everybody can hear them. He was pretty good actually about letting people know what he was talking about when he was doing it. But as a thing, you get to relive part of what I got to live through in the uh, convention center. So that's, sorry, in the hockey arena. At the convention. That's what was going on. Anyway, so that's what this is. Uh, we're going around that now.
0: He's here for an audition. Very much. Nice. Okay. Or well, you can cook and you sing and dance too. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite dish of all time? Oh, uh, there is no one. It's Italian food and Let me, let me,
5: okay, here's my deal, I will travel every weekend doing
0: a personal appearance, primarily comic I have one goal, other than pleasing the fans and the promoter and generating as much provision as I can for my family. (laughs) This other goal is probably just as important, find the local, where the locals eat, mom and pop. Italian food. The best. That's what I do. It's the my. Food. Food. Pardon me? the smallest one there is. Usually it is, or it's the person that answers the phone. You can't understand a word they're saying <laughs> with a heavy Italian dialect. Uh, sometimes it ends up being fine dining, but that's also good. I don't really want the fine dining. But yeah, just traditional. Where the locals go, mom and pop. And I love it. I love it. There's only two Italian restaurants. That I've ever eaten four consecutive nights—Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One was in, uh, of all places, Richmond, Virginia, next door. I think sharing the same structure of the Omni Hotel, called La Colada, Anthony. I'm sorry. I want you, I want you guys. No, I want you to hear this. Because no, no, I want you especially food. Now we all know there's three. Everybody defines a good Italian a restaurant food. Usually three things: taste, ambiance, service. Yes. So I have two to three more things that surpass that. So yes, okay. So I show up on a Thursday night. I like to go solo. If you really want to enjoy your food, go along. Know somebody you want to listen to. Okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Otherwise it ruins the freaking dinner. Okay? <laughs> Serious. So, I show up. There's a little two-top there next to the bar, but facing the bar. And what well, was cool, that the lady, I didn't realize at that time, she was the owner's wife. That's another indicator. She's the hostess. She sees me. She says, "What you like I said, I, I would love some lamb. Oh, I'm so sorry we don't have lamb to it. Remember that. So I ordered whatever it was, pasta. I always get appetizer, salad, a pasta dish and a meat dish, okay? You know, sometimes I have to get a half a thing of pasta. So all of a sudden, this man comes burling out of the kitchen about half, when I finished my dinner. little Italian guy with the apron on, sauce all over him. He introduced himself as Tony, the owner. He said, I heard, I'm not going to, he has a very strong dining problem. Right? He said, I heard you wanted lamb tonight. I said, yes sir, but it's not on your menu. Ah, you want lamb, you come back tomorrow night. There's the, there's the fourth thing. They don't have it, they'll get it for you. So I came back the next night. It was the lamb, okay. It was incredible. And sat at a different table. Um, put me at a better, which I didn't mind the tables. And that was Friday So he says to me, he said, uh he said, anything else on the menu? He goes Because I I see you not eating dessert. You know, he's real keen. The chefs and the owners are real keen about observing He goes, You're not ordering dessert? I go, Well, you know I didn't I said, I didn't see it on the menu. He goes, What is it? I said, Flourless chocolate cake. I'm a bake. Okay, I'm a baker. Well, you come back in tomorrow, and you'll have an entire flourless chocolate cake. I came back Saturday night. I had a flourless chocolate cake with my dinner. So that's two other dynamics other than taste, ambiance, and service. Okay. Now we got they got something. On, it's not on the menu, but you get it. Now they got a dessert that he's good. He's the baker. Okay. What else can there be? I come back on Sunday night. I eat, he's kind of of busy, now he's done. He's wrapped up. I'm the last person there. He comes out with his spaghetti sauce apron, he sits down next to me, he goes like this to the waiters bring it to me. Okay, so they bring two or three bottles of wine. I I drink a glass or two of Giante, I'm done. Okay? Uh, He brings out whatever it is Italian and I don't drink it. What is it? Sherry, port, whatever. I said, hey, Antonio, I can't. He goes, no. Now it's you and me. Okay. So the third thing, so it's actually six. The third thing, okay, other than taste, ambiance, service. It's not on the menu. they bring it, entree next night. He's baked the freaking flowers chocolate cake. It's he's sitting down with the customer, talking about life, talking about kids and grandkids, and drinking some wine. That, to me, has never happened. I think the only thing that can top it, would be on that Thursday night if you ran out and actually got the lamb. Had a butcher. Had a butcher. you he got. That's never happened. And then the other one was in um, uh, Orlando, Florida at the Double Tree, and across the street from the Doubletree Seaward. There was this little tiny, it's called, what's the Italian name for a restaurant? Ciao, restaurante? Right. That's all it's called little teeny thing. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Why? Because I've never had, see on the menu, calamari. I've never seen sautéed calamari. What is that? Well, guess what? I had, four, I had four consecutive nights, okay? <laughs> i got five. And the best freaking salad I ever had in my life called a novella salad. I guess that's a part of Italy. So it's all the greens. More greens and then think of more greens. And, they, and then they take the freaking olives, and they slice them, instead of that way, they slice them down the middle. So it's a bigger olive. Just enough, not too many. And then some little cheesy, was it, Ghost cheese or whatever it is, walnuts. Yeah, but it's called a Nobel. Anyway, I went there, 40 second consecutive nights, little teeny, teeny place, and that's the only thing. Twice, I went to the same restaurant, four consecutive nights. Uh, and, I believe I was alone. Maybe that was the other dynamic. I got to enjoy it. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep you waiting. No. Uh, yeah, uh, it seems yeah. like unless you're really with somebody you want to be with, I think being alone is kind of cool, too. not alone, you have food. And I'm taking pictures of every dish, and I'm sending it to my wife. You know, my wife said, it looks nice, but how much is it? I don't care. It's good. Okay. It's freaking good. Have you ever seen a salad like this? Have you ever seen sauteed calamari? And you would think, because when he said sauteed calamari, I thought, eh, greasy. No. No. Yeah, it was sauteed, but it wasn't all that overdone. Anyway. And and they know the real how to eat bread. He knew right away on the second. No, he knew the first night. He brought me the saucer, was there, and he knew. He brought the bottle of olive oil right there. He knew I poured the olive oil in the dish, and I dipped my bread in the olive oil. One restaurant I said, We can't do it because of COVID. You can't what? Pour the olive oil? No, you can't dip. I'm like, really, I can't. Okay. Anyway, sorry for the long stories, but those are your chef. Most likely, you're going to be an owner and probably have been or are a restaurant owner one day. And those are the six things that I. It's rare. It's rare. It is rare. Very uh, But it can be done. There's a great book called, here's the title Shut Up and Listen. He owns the Houston Rockets and he owns 600 restaurants. Ferretti. What's his name? Anyway. Uh, it? No, it's not God. It's. Uh, anyway. Fred. <laughs> Well, that's the end of the book. And the, and, and the descriptive line on shut up and listen is, you think you know everything about business? I'll show you something you don't know. 600 restaurants. He doesn't start when they walk in the door, thinking about where oh, the spirit is. He says, where's my customer parking the car? Oh, yes. Fittata, yeah. He takes it, he takes it from where, yeah. He starts, What is my customer, first time coming to my restaurant, Everybody else, when they enter the door, no. Okay, that's where they park. So he goes over there, and he goes, why are these syringes? You yeah, know, what are you guys doing here? Managing this. I own this thing. Why are there freaking syringes in the parking lot when our customers are coming in? This is bullshit. Okay? So he takes it from where they park to where they cross the street. Homeless people on the street. How are you going to deal with it? This garbage up by the door. The flower in the pot is dying. So he takes it to that level. man. It's unbelievable. Spirit of excellence with that. That's And he says, one guy was laughing. He said, one guy was laughing and he goes, Yeah, we're at this beautiful restaurant and I heard somebody next to me say, I want some eggs. It was dinner time at a very exclusive restaurant. Well, Tillman's mindset is, They want freaking eggs at freaking midnight. You charge them more money, but you cook them the freaking eggs. Simple as that. You don't say no when I do an AIDS right now. It's bullshit. That's how he's owned 600 restaurants. It's just, he owns all those what, Lowry, all those chains. Lowry's, and I don't know. Anyway, So, somehow, uh, I think it was the second or third night of filming, he went home. He was He went back to his little. Girl. English uh, cottage, and there was a naked lady in his
5: bathtub. Okay,
0: <laughs> so uh, now this is Max. This is the guy who made Jesus, right? In the was it called the Bible, right? Nino De Laurentiis, right? And uh, so the way Brian tells it, he so Max called. But he didn't know who else to
5: call when you get in trouble. I was too young at the time. Now you can call Flash Gordon because I'm a
0: bit seasoned and mature. But, uh, you can, you know, you, uh, everybody called Brian Blessed because, you know, he was in his 50s, he was seasoned, he was mature. So, so, Max goes, uh, Brian, uh, Blessed, Brian comes over and, and, and tells the, uh, the, the girl, he, you know, and they use different vernaculars in terms, uh, over there. So Brian came over there with his, you know, big voice. He said, he said, uh, and what do you call the girls in England? You know, you yeah. He said, Bird, what are you doing? He's not going to shack you in the bathtub. Get the hell out of the bathtub and get out of here. He's a married man. What the hell's wrong with you? Of course, he has a better speaking voice than that.
5: Right?
0: Yes, okay. He talks more like this. Yes, yeah. sorry. But uh so that's the behind the scenes with Brian. Brian's got about uh, a thousand, though. So yeah, anytime you come home, married men, okay, you find a naked bird in your tub. You know who to call, right? You know exactly. We can call her. too, right now. I'm married. I'm married and I'll take care of it for you. Yeah. I Really, you should call your wife. Honey, there's a naked bird in my head.
5: I'll just give her some
1: bird seed, honey, and let it fly away. No, I'm not talking about that bird.
5: All right.
1: Next. All right, Sam. So speaking of voices, last time we chatted was in Omaha. And I I particularly think this might be something that a lot of people don't know, um, was one of the frustrations you had with the film uh, and the voiceover work. Could you tell us a little bit about the AR
0: or ADR? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime you do a movie, uh, there's always mistakes with sound, the sound department. So yeah, we have to go back to do uh, looping and dubbing and correct the voice. So I didn't go back. I was kind of bumping heads with Dino. I was also making another movie. Uh, so yeah, so Vino, since uh, we were all the way in California, Vino was all the way in London. Vino got uh, an English actor to try to try to uh, do my voice, try to match my voice. I I heard, I mean obviously I heard it because I saw the movie, it's in the movie. And it's, I just felt like I, I don't have a James Earl Jones type speaking voice. I've always known that, but I just felt that that particular voice, didn't quite match the character. A, you know, a little bit too... The octave range was a little bit too high for the character. That's all. But half the movie was my voice, the other half wasn't. It is what it is, yeah.
1: So, I'm going to ask one more, and then I'm going to let you uh, call on the audience as you, please. Okay. We all saw Flash Gordon. <laughs> Give it up for Flash Gordon, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, why didn't we see two, three, four, five, and 6... Well, that's a very good question, because I signed for,
0: well, obviously, the one, and then, uh, I believe, five sequels, if not six. It's a good problem. I had to pull that contract out. Uh,
1: <laughs> Make them honor it now. You know, it, 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 yeah.
0: Know. Well, you are well, they won't get it down later, where it stands yeah, like yeah, yeah. The sequel. I don't think we're to talk yes. about that. Yeah, you know, it's a fascinating study about sequels and, uh, you know, uh, part two or whatever, a reboot. Um, I mean, I, I did a TV series called The Highwaymen. Come on, who saw The Highwaymen? Ooh, my favorite project of all time. I mean, we killed it in the ratings. We beat the Emmy Awards one night. You no, know, I am a reason. You know, it just it didn't get picked up. After we did the one season. Flash Gordon, um, you know, um, I I will say factually, uh, he was a a huge hit in every country except America. Now, when it came out, the VHS video, uh, for you youngsters out there, it became top ten of all time. But it was not a huge success in America. So that may have had something, you know, the, the defining factor, I'm not sure but really, uh, independent, you you have uh, you have uh, a much better chance making having multiple sequels if you do independent features. Why? Because you're not dealing with if it's a movie, you're not dealing with the studio boss. Okay, and a lot of times it's not so much him or her on on the on the decision makers, usually the people under him or her that are afraid to make a decision. Okay. Um, and then for networks, my God, you've got the studio, right? you got the network boss, and you got the studio boss, and I think, uh, I think it's a fear factor. What I've learned in this 40, 45 years of movie making and then uh, 67 years of life is I think there's a fear factor involved in in, in, uh, in everything that they we're faced with. Me. I'm not saying, oh, I'm scared of that person. or oh, you know, I'm scared of that. I just think it's a fear factor on not... It, anytime you put fear, oh, don't do that, you know. Oh, something, you know. For me, as a guy, the first voice that comes into my head always is that voice of fear. Oh, you don't belong here. You don't deserve this. You don't do that. So, um, and usually the second voice for me, I call it the voice of reason or the voice of God. He usually tells me that he says, "Shut up. You belong here. You deserve this." So, for me in my life now, if there's any any type of I try to I block it out, you know. For that fear, uh, if it's a voice that comes into your head, or if it's a thought, that is just there to do one thing: it is to diminish you from stepping into your purpose or where you belong. So that, to me, was a light bulb moment. When, especially, I got two forces going on. <laughs> okay, you yeah. um, know, it's common sense, practical thinking, is 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 the voice of reason. But yeah, anytime you, you get, if someone's telling that to your face, or you're hearing, or if that voice is coming in your head, you know, well, about doubt, you shouldn't be here, don't do that, you don't want here. If that's the voice of fear, and, and you can tell that voice to shut up. And uh, yeah, so uh, really, that's,
1: uh, I hope that answers Great, quick follow-up on that, yeah. if I might uh Speaking of the voice of fear, how strong was that voice of fear when you were approached by Seth MacFarlane to do your, yeah. your role in TED, and how much yeah. fun did you all well, no, have doing that? That was a pretty good call. You know, uh, It's really cool getting older. I really love this time in my life. Of course, that call happened 10 years
0: ago. I was 57, I think it was, uh, maybe 56, whatever. But my point is, uh, so here I am, and this, this is another cool little light bulb moment for all of us. You know, you hear a lot of athletes say, oh, I'm not a role model. Well, look, guys, gals, whatever we do, whatever industry we're in, uh, we are a role model. The good Lord has given us a platform, whether it's the movie business here, or whether you're driving a truck or you're a physicist, uh, or whatever you're doing. We all have a platform. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm getting these calls now. and You're going to get these calls. From these people who are now decision makers, by the way, in your industry and mine, they were once eight or nine-year-old little boys or little girls who we impacted and influenced over our lives. So here's Seth MacFarlane calling me. And the first thing he said to me was, Sam, when I was eight years old, I saw your movie. It you changed my life. So I said, now who are you again? And I had to say that. Yeah, we knew who he was. I said, oh, what do you mean, how did I change your life? He said, well, when I walked out of the movie theater, I knew I I wanted to be a creative type guy. I said, Seth, you turned out to be a creative guy, but you're also a bit perverted. I hope I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) So my point is, look, whether you think we think we're role models or not, we need to be real particular on what we say out of our mouth and our behavior. Imagine, I wouldn't be getting that call uh, from Seth MacFarlane. I wouldn't be getting other calls uh, from, and here's the cool thing. I'm 67. I told you that. That means, okay, I, mean, I keep doing movies now. I love doing independent movies, by the way. I keep doing movies now in my 60s, my 70s, my 80s. What does that mean?
5: So these kids are
0: right now 6, 7, four, Not even born yet. Not even born yet. They're going to see that movie or one of my movies. I'll be getting calls from um, in my 90s. This is great. You'll be getting calls into your 90s plus. So my, my I guess the moral of the point of the story is, yes, we're role models, whether we like it or not. So, and, and yeah, I don't want to get it too old. And what we're experiencing right now, I mean, even me sometimes, we're so sensitive. This COVID thing has been off the charts. We we take offense so easily. You've offended me. No. I get that one time. we got to get over it. So, we need to be picked up now. We need to be built up. We need to be encouraged. So, that, that's, that's, and that has to do with that fear factor, too. We just need to tell that fear factor hey, shut up. Okay? And he uh,
1: yeah, had some questions. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, having the clairvoyance to know that that, that was a good cause. Clairvoyance! Did he just call me a clairvoyant? I've taken offense. I'm really
0: offended now. Oh, All right, I'm going to go. much. Let's use the word discernment. I like that word. I'll let you go ahead and uh, pick you right idea. here. Young man, yes. Were there, was there actual drugs
1: in the movie
0: Ted? <laughs> the question is, were there actual drugs in the movie Ted? Well, I mean, personally, honestly, no, because if there were, and uh, then you're not going to work. If, if you're busted, meaning, I don't mean about you cops, if, you're, if any of the actors are actually doing it, you're not going to work again. I mean, the, the, liab- the liability factor is enormous. It's huge. Especially a movie like Ted. We're talking Flash Gordon, Universal Pictures. Uh, Ted, Universal Pictures, huge. I mean, I think Ted was. Flash Gordon was 35 million in 1979, right? And Ted was like 60 or 70 million in. Uh, but still, uh, yeah, that's still pretty really Yeah, I, I mean, they don't really. Probably independent. They probably tolerate alcohol and drugs. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not what you want to do. I mean, it happens a lot. I, I've been on some independent films overseas, you know, and everybody doing this and that. But, yeah, you don't want to, you know, now if you want me to, if you want me to address drugs, okay? Matter of fact, yeah. when Seth, no, 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 man, I mean, I mean this. when Seth called me, you know, he said, I've written a script about a Cute little teddy bear. That bear's not cute at all. That bear's got some freaking issues. Said, are you kidding me? Well, here's the deal. I said, well, yeah. I said, of course I want to work you. I've got to read the script. I want to see a final copy. Well, let me tell you something. This is where we started to bump heads a little bit before I came on board. Uh, he wrote this three-page monologue for me. You know, hired to play myself, pieces of myself, and to play Flash Gordon. Pieces of flashboard, parts and pieces, and but not really, right? But did I party in the 80s? Of course I party in the 80s. So he wrote this three-page speech that I'm supposed to give in the movie on all the great positive uh, uh, things, and then every drug that you could possibly think of, he, he wrote it down. I'm supposed to talk about, you know, uh, in public, on film, how good cocaine, heroin. I mean, as a matter of fact, I saw this list of drugs I've never even heard of in my life. Right? I, I looked at him. I said, Dad, "What's the first thing you do? You take it home to your wife?" And she said, "No, you're not saying that." And I said, "Well, he said take or leave it." In other words, <laughs> he said Universal Pictures said take it. In other words, do it or you're not doing the movie. So again, now, you know, being a smart husband guys, you got to go to your wife, okay? <laughs> what do I do? Here's the first big movie and I don't you know. For 15 years, a big, big, huge studio movie, right? Because I've been doing it a films every year. Uh, she said, we're going to pray about it. And when my wife prays, it's no beating around the bush and all that. We address it right now. Lord, we give this to you. We, we submit it to you. And we ask for your help and for wisdom right now. In Jesus' name. Boom! That's our prayer. I went, okay. So I said, what do I tell Oh, I said, and she said, you tell him that you're going to show up for work, and you're going to be there on time. That's all you got to say. I said, okay, so. Two days, three days, i signed the contract. I think that same day. Three days later, I have to show up. We're shooting the three-page monologue where I have to talk about all the healthy, good, positive benefits of every drug in the world and drugs I haven't even heard of. And all of a sudden, I show up on the set, you're Seth MacFarlane running towards me with the script, waving it. His eyes are like this, and he's got this look on his face like, something's wrong. He says, Sam, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. The studio just deleted your entire three-page monologue. So that that faithless part of me, that you know, losing faith part, I almost said, well, what happened? But I didn't. I knew exactly what happened. I got to answer so, uh, yeah, so that was another little light bulb moment. Again, fear factor, okay? Fear. If you don't do this, the studio says they're not going to hire you, okay? You're not going to do the movie. Uh, that happened to me on, and I, yeah, I hope I can share this story. The first moment of uh, being, having my back put against the wall of a threat, of fear, was... Uh, the final audition for flashboard. Okay, this is back in the old days, guys. I didn't have a video. You know, I do. I do selfies. I do a. I do an audition right now. <laughs> they email me the script. Okay, I do the script. And I, I record. Boom. There's my audition. So after uh, eight to ten months of back and forth with interviews with Dino, the last uh, phase, he flew me and other actors to England to do. Uh, Old-fashioned Hollywood screen test. What does that mean? No video. You have to use film, real film. What does that mean? You have to have a film crew. You have to have a wardrobe department, makeup department, hair department, electrical department. It's a, it's a, it's a small skeleton crew, but it's a, it's a film crew. I'm there 30 days screen testing. 30 days, biting all my fingernails because I'm so nervous as a 23, 24 year old. If I could bend down and bite my toenails, I probably would have bit my toenails off again. <laughs> because as a Marine, I've been a Marine next year in my mind for 50 years. I'm a Marine before I'm an acting early. I still think I'm a Marine. As a Marine, I want to hear, do you want me, yes or no? I'd rather hear, no, you don't want me, than drag me out for 30 days in that pending status. I can't stand that. I can't stand it. Uh, so, my last audition... You know, they, they, now, for 30 days, of course, they put me through the whole workout, they dyed my hair blonde, they gave me a tan. It's easy to do, <laughs> by the way, right? <laughs> and, uh, now they want my eyes blue, right? 1979. Now, the way you do that, now, they didn't have the soft lens in 79. They had the hard contact lens. Hard. the reason why they call it hard. Just take, you want to, you want to get the feel of what a hard lens means? It means take some sand sandpaper, just rub it against your eyeball, okay? That's a hard lens. So again, I said, Dino, I, I, it's my final audition. Because goes, yeah, this is it. You're either going to get this or I'm going to give it to somebody else. I said, Dino, but I really want my performance to be the best. I said, I can't put the lenses in. Again, the threat, the fear. If you don't put the blue lenses in, okay, for this final screen test, I'm not going to hire you. You're not going to get flashed for Ah. So I said, okay. So I went in the back there and I had that moment, that God moment. I looked in the mirror. I looked at the lenses. And, and, and the first voice again said, yeah, if you don't do it, you're not going to get the part. And then that other voice said, shut up. Wait a minute. If I put the lenses in, it's going to cause me irritation. You know, probably going to a twitch, okay? And it's going to diminish. The very best I have to offer—that's what fear does and threats. It diminishes the very best we have to offer as a human being. So I just said, "There's your, there's the contact lenses." I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have the spirit of excellence. And I'm going to get the performance of my life. And I want to tell you what happened. So I did it, and uh, without the lenses, I nailed it. And, and Nino came up to me. Guess what he said? This is what it does. Even fear coming from the source, fear spoken from the very force, will even change them. He just looked at me and said, that was incredible. That was great. You got it. You're the guy. So isn't that amazing? The threat and the fear from the very source that was spoken was also negated because, guess what? The best of me came out. Isn't that amazing? So guys, you got to get a hold of that. you got to get a hold of that. And, and if if uh, I mean he could well he could have said no he didn't do what I said boom 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 but guess what I gave you. on film they got the best audition of Sam Jones's last morning. you know I said that. we have to believe it all right question time oh yes okay well I gotta go with you because yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you warning that, that uh, you know we are at a hockey rink. <laughs> so you go under in the basement, grab some of that ice, put it down, and you sit there, buddy. <laughs> okay, now go ahead. All right, um, my question is, what was it like working with Seth MacFarlane? Yeah. question is, uh, yeah, what's it like working with Seth you? Great. You know, it was, I was so happy and proud. Oh, it's you. Yeah, I met you in Denver. It's since
5: 2017.
0: Yeah, to be part of his uh, directorial debut, uh, his first movie as a director. And on the set with him, I tell you, uh, you know, I'm old-fashioned. You know, nowadays in the past 15-plus years, it's not like it used to be. In other words, if you're directing me, you're the director, okay, the camera's right there. That's where the director always was, always has been. They don't do that anymore. The director is in a little area called Video Village. It could be on the other side of that room, you know, under a canopy tent. With six, four to six monitors, making sure I'm framed properly by the cameraman's framing. Well, I thought that's why we hire a good cameraman so they can frame the actors. You know, but it's 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 a budget it's a budget constraint thing. You know, the studio was there again, multiple bosses. Uh, He could see on the framing on the monitor. To me, I don't like it. I I want you right there. so, the, 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 but he was wonderful. The, the only confusion for me, remember, he's directing me. He's also the voice of the bear. Okay? So, why don't you get a visual of that right now, okay? So, I, he said, I said, said I told him what I told you. I don't like you being, you know, in a back room. I can't even see you. He goes, no, no. no. I'm going to give you this $3,000 earwig. Just put it in your ear, and you can hear. I said, that little thing is 3000 Because He goes, yeah, I said, it looks like something I picked out of my ear. Okay. But anyway, um, so now he's now I can hear everything he's saying. <laughs> okay, now we're, action. We're, we're rolling cameras. Now I'm doing the scene with the bear, and self is me. And all of a sudden he's talking. I'm thinking, you know, you never want to cut camera, right? You never want to cut camera. You want to improvise. If you forget, line, I didn't forget, line. I just thought, I thought to myself. Is this the freaking bear talking to me, or is this the director giving me direction? (laughs) And I said that over my mic, and he heard it. Sam, this is Seth. I'm the director. Well, I I said Seth, but you're the bear, and the bear's right down there. Okay, okay, cut,
5: cut, cut. I said Seth, just tell me. If you want to give me direction, just say, "This is the director talking to you." Okay. Otherwise, I'm assuming it's the bear talk. So
0: that was the only. Oh, that's why should be there. Yeah. It, but he was great. He created such a stress-free, happy environment, but really professional at the
1: same time. Really professional. He did
0: great in a million ways to die in the West. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. But what, what, what bothered me about that movie, Million Ways in uh, what got me? What? What was? It? Well, I told him. I said, you know, you. Yeah, this is this is America. This is cowboy, God, country America. Horses. I said you kind of be little uh, cowboys, right? You kind of be little cowboys and stuff. Anyway, uh, but no, he, he was wonderful to, to work with. a uh, First yeah. and a second time for, uh, for tattoos. Questions? Come on, guys. Yeah, come on. Wait, wait. Did I get you yet? No, I
5: didn't. So. Uh, Outside of Flash Gordon, Ted 1 and 2, is there any role we should,
0: like, look for you in that really meant a lot to you? One that, like, was your favorite to act in? Did and... you guys hear the question? Other than Flash Gordon, Ted, are there yeah. any other roles that, that I want you to see? Uh, well, you got to understand, and when you guys hear this, please don't send me a lot of stuff, but it's okay if you do. Um, remember, I've done 66 films. I've only seen half of my work. Why Yeah, I tell that to people? Uh, well, I, well, I've seen it watched, but some of it, maybe forty percent, I've not seen at all because you know I, I, I'm a dad, right? I'm a dad. So I got my daughter saying, "Daddy, are you take me to dance." Or I got my son saying, "Hey, Daddy, are you take me to baseball today." No, children, well, I'm taking you to the movie so you can watch me, all or we're right. gonna put in the tape and you gotta watch me. So you know, I had, be, I, I had
5: to be the dad.
0: You know, come on, man, you gotta be the dad. So, but in time, I always thought, well, I'll be able to see that. I'll go back and see it. But now, so when the fans hear that, I get these really cool, uh, sometimes VHS's. I don't have the VHS machine anymore. But I get the DVD now. Some of the old movies I did in the Philippines, and you know, with Catherine Bach, and, uh, not, not, uh, Patrick Sweezy, but Don Swayze, and Billy Blanks. Uh, I did some really cool action pictures. A lot of them. Uh, Joey Travolta directed me in two or three. I did three movies with Shannon Tweed. Some of those I haven't seen, you know? Yeah, pick one. <laughs> hey, pick one that I
1: want you to see, which I wrote. Really... And...
0: What? Well, I, I did one two years ago, which is kind of cool. It's a true story. I played the dad. A true story is called Silent Natural. Oh. Um, there? Yes, it's a true story of the first death major league baseball player in America in the 1880s. His name was William Hoy, but he would only be, he would get mad if you didn't call him dummy. The term dummy was not derogatory. We Dummy meant you can't hear, you can't speak. But he got mad at you if you would not call him dummy. So I played the dad, and we used real uh, deaf actors to play to play William Hoy. So I'm like, oh yeah. So I want you to see this. Um, uh, because of, if you're baseball fans, I had no idea. This guy held a major league record for over 60 years. As a five 5'6", 150-pound center fielder, the record he held in one game. One game, he threw out three runners, not by way of relay, but from center field, he threw out three runners, rounding third, trying to go home. He threw them out of the home plate. He held that for one hundred and fifty pounder. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And and plus he uh, yeah, had plus as a rookie, I think he I think he holds this record too. Uh, uh, Eighty eight stolen bases uh, his rookie year. Is that a record? Eighty eight stolen bases. He had this unique uh, ability. Well, you know how they tell athletes no like when you get up there, no matter what it is, especially at the bat, whatever, block everybody out, block everything and every. Well, well, Williams. Williams deaf. Williams always deaf. So when he got up the bat, he didn't say. But when he got on first base, guess what? He's now focused on the pitcher. Right? He get to never, never having any history of this pitcher. Never played against him before. Never seen his routine of either throwing the ball home to the batter or throwing to first play base. He can discern and figure out the picture within seconds. Within seconds, again, A D S to all bases. So, uh, for history, number one, and really uh, watching this this movie, it's a period piece to uh, late eighteen hundreds. Also, I think that the moral of the story is that my character and then my wife's character, we were so over, you know, how we are around our children, having a death. Child, we were over what's the word over oh, Overprotective, thank you. So overprotective. But well, let me tell you so, even you know, I still kids that are older now, I got to six grandkids. But a light bulb moment for me, not, not just as an actor but as a human being, was the mom and dad being overprotective, which I have been being a Marine, especially with my boys, is it's not so much. Not just being overprotected over again. I, we are diminishing them stepping into greatness. William Hoy did not step into greatness until his parents gave him up. Yet, meaning you know, they stopped it all of a because they thought. In the, and here's another little cool thing: in the 1800s, most of the American public believed baseball was a seedy, seedy business of gambling and, you know, girls and drinking and, and I, I guess it was. Uh but he told his parents, you know like, saying he goes, No, I, I wanna play, this is my gift. It's my gift from God. So until his parents stopped being overprotective and gave uh, gave their son their blessing to play ball, that's when he stepped into greatness. And that's a good that's a good lesson for his parents. Now there's certain things we you know that our kids should not be doing that At a certain age when like, uh you know, uh, yeah, we we got to just back off. My big thing is safety and security, especially with my daughters. So I need to back off on certain things. But uh, what's really cool, here's a cool moment for uh, for your parents that have kids now, whether they're young or maybe they're getting a little older. Don't, don't take it personal they, if they don't start appreciating you right now. Because my five kids, 20 years old, 22, 24, 36, and 38, um, they laughed at me uh, my whole life about being you know, hanging with the safety and security but guess what? Two of my kids are married with kids and they came up to me, finally they started having kids until their 30's and they thanked me and they were so sorry, we laughed at you but we got it, we understand we're doing the same thing you're doing with our kids, so you know, don't lose heart don't take it personal sometimes the kids won't appreciate us and, Told that I uh, got one son. My gosh, he was appreciating us at age 70. That's a miracle. That's unheard
5: of. That's unheard of.
0: Uh, by the way, he's more playing college baseball right now. Okay. So, <laughs> but yeah. So don't don't take offense. Don't They will. They will come around. And it could be till they're 40 years old or 45. You know. But but they will. They will.
1: Who's next? we got time for one more. Who's got the best question? Right there. The best one. Yeah, don't worry.
5: No. So, oh yeah, I know this <laughs> guy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all the films
1: you've done, yes. I'm mostly interested in what goes on behind the scenes yes. and what winds up on the pictures. So, what's the biggest screw-up, the biggest mistake, the biggest
5: problem that, nevertheless, wound up being distributed in theaters?
0: Well, for me, it happened on stage in uh, the, the theater. I went back when my, in my 30s when my film career wasn't uh, where I thought it should have been. I went back to I went back to, acting I went back to theater doing stage. In fact, I was doing two plays uh, uh, in one week. I mean, each week I was doing uh, every week I was doing two separate plays. And well, I went on to be a huge hit with James Earl Jones and Faye Dunaway called Scorchers, I actually was part of the first cast. But uh, the mistake that happened to me would turn into a huge. actually got me hired for another movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm on stage with this other uh, uh, remember, I'm, I'm the oldest guy. I'm one of the oldest guys in acting, acting class, usually younger than my 20s so in my I think excuse me, in my early 30s, maybe mid 30s. So this uh, other actor who's more seasoned than me and maybe a little bit older, uh, Lee we're doing this scene, and I, I forgot my lines. I just went blank, just, just stared at him. I mean, I just stared at him, you know. And I knew that night we had, uh, all not just the press. There were movie producers there, and you name it. And I just stared at him. And, uh, and thank God I took him, you know, in improv, improvisational classes. So, but I wanted him to feed me my line, because I can improvise all, all day. So I looked at him, after about 30 seconds, after that stare down, I looked at him, hoping he give me a line, and I said to him, just what in the hell are you trying to say to me? Okay, you think you would give me my cue? He said to me, no, what in the hell are you trying to say to me?
5: <laughs>
0: so we stared at another, I don't know, and you know, when you're on film or you're on stage, like we are now, if you're not talking, I'm not talking, <laughs> 30 seconds, 90 seconds is feel like an hour. So it went on for about 90 seconds, and then it just, I got it. At the end of that night, uh, we were in the back, you know, getting changed, and someone said, there's a movie producer who wants to see you, and the movie producer
5: came up and said, I've seen a lot of plays, I've been to a lot of shows,
0: I've never seen a moment like that on stage in my life. And I wouldn't say, oh, you mean because I forgot my life? But then, so that was a huge mistake which turned into an incredible blessing. I went on to do uh, My Chauffeur. I don't know if you saw it. My Chauffeur uh, there before when she was a valley girl, you know, and then we did that in 80. What was 80s. I was trying to remember. Yeah. 80s. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, a lot of it was work. It's crazy. I was with Cindy Williams, the you know, Laverne and Shirley in Kansas last week at that Planet Comic Con. And I we looked at each other, you know, and there we were. She was in the heart of what Laverne and Shirley, right? I mean, not one show for I don't know how many years. And I was doing a series after series, movie after movie, and we realized we've never met. We've never seen each I've never seen one of her shows. She's never seen one of them. Because we're always working or, or we're always raising family or something, so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite unique. Uh, that's why I coming to Comic-Con, I get to hear from you. And it's your chance to tell me your story, how I impacted your life. But don't tell me but because of you. I had one guy tell me, I said, what's your story? He said, oh, you traumatized me as a
5: child. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry.
0: So I said, well, what happened? You know, Flash Gordon said, yeah. I said, that's a, that's a pretty uplifting movie. No, no, no. I have problems to this day. I said, What happened? When well, you stuck your arm in that tree truck <laughs> <laughs> where well, that wood beast was. I was only three years old, man, and it traumatized me. I said, Well, come here. Let me squeeze your brains, okay? And squeeze until that traumatization, whatever. It always leaves. Okay? Is it gone? Is it gone? Okay. Oh, God. Please don't come to my table and punish me because I put my arm in the tree truck where the wood beast was. Okay. <laughs> Ted got me addicted to cocaine. Okay. <laughs> wow. he says that Ted got him. The, you know what that was coming out of the bathroom with the bear and Mark Wahlberg and myself with the white powder? Well, you know what that was, right? Like. That was a little right. jar of baby powder that... That the bear accidentally knocked over. That's all was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here till doors. When like doors close at what time? Now? Nine o'clock. Well, either till doors close or until they serve Italian food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and yeah. gentlemen,
1: thank you for coming to our city. <laughs> Appreciate the time, sir. Sam Jones, every day. are <laughs> telling your stories. That is me. <laughs>
2: Well, there you have it, Uh, Mr. Sam Jones. Uh, Again, awesome dude to talk to. Um, Thank him so much for hanging out and just putting up with my nonsense. It was great. Um, A really good show, good convention, fun to go to. Uh, I definitely say check it out in the future. Uh, alternate, Alternate Reality puts on pretty good shows. The next one they're doing. Well, not next one. I think the next one I might be going to is the one out in Rhode Island, so we'll see how that goes, if that happens or not. You but, still plan on doing that? I mean, at this point, it seems to be a thing, but we'll see. I, I, yeah, we'll see. Anyhow, um, so yeah, uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? I'm not the only
4: one
3: that calls my cat's
2: toes jelly bean toes. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a factual thing. Tyler Brown?
3: I learned that a book that doesn't necessarily have um, stellar art, which really is the first thing that I normally look at that catches my eye, I can still super enjoy. And that would be uh, Cinnamon. Great stuff.
2: Sure, that's a real thing, too. Uh, So what I learned today?
3: I think that you learned that you still love... Cats (laughs) Cats
2: <laughs> I mean I don't necessarily know if that's a learned thing, but I mean I'll give it to you, sure. Cats and leather jackets I think are awesome. Sure. Hundred percent. Sure. So funny. Fantastic. Um do you guys have any books to watch? I only got one just the Batman or Superman
4: seventy eight. I'm curious to see how that turns out. I hope it's a little bit better than the eighty nine, but we'll see. What's the isn't are they doing a Wonder Woman two or no?
2: Um, not yet. They have done a Wonder Woman's in the past. They did a Wonder Woman, uh, 79. That was a series that happened a while ago. So it happened before all this. And, I mean, look-wise and story-wise, I mean, it fit pretty good. But, I mean, I don't have the same memories for that because I didn't see nearly as much of it. Um, but they have done it once... They have done it before. And, uh, these guys, I don't... They maybe get another series from the Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman did a... They did a mini series that was 79, and then they did a... Wonder, Wonder Woman meets the Bionic Woman, and it was Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, meets the woman who played the Bionic Woman, who now I don't remember the name of.
3: Mm, oh. That's going to bug me.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. I just I can see her face in my head, yeah. but I can't remember her name. I don't recall the actress's name.
3: Lindsay Wagner.
2: There you go. Lindsay
3: Wagner. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Good
2: stuff. Yeah, so anyway, they, so they have done similar things before with Linda Carter, um, as far as the Wonder Woman's concerned. Uh, but there's not another one that's coming that I'm aware of. I mean, we are getting ready to have a batch of uh, 80th anniversary stuff for Wonder Woman, and at least one of those covers has a very Linda Carter cover to it, but it's not a... Uh, it's not an actual series based on that character, or that version of her, wherein they have done it before. Uh, as far as books to watch, I'd say, uh... If you haven't seen e- Echo Land yet, from Image, it's fantastic. The uh, story's fun. Art is J.H. Williams third. It's beautiful. Uh, so I'd say check that thing out. Uh, again, think it's think it's awesome. Um,
3: I have a bone to pick with you. Sure. I purchased a comic, excuse me, a trade from your establishment, and you told me that it continued and it didn't. Which book was it? It is called God Complex Dogma. Oh, no, it
2: ends. Oh, it's only the one. Yeah, there. It ends sort of abruptly too. Ugh. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, I got so upset.
2: Yeah, that's so all there is to
3: it. It's so good. The Art is really, really fantastic. Man, the art is fantastic. The, the 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 story's fantastic. Uh, I I loved all of it. And I I remember I, I asked you a couple weeks ago. I was like, Hey, man, does this continue? Like, I think there's one or two more. And I was super excited. And then I looked it up. And I was like, Oh
1: no
2: yeah it's totally I prep- think probably at the time I did think it had more to it but it was only the eight issues so it, it is the thing that needs things. to be
3: read because it is really good um, God of Complex Dogma so good um, Art's Incredible again story's great um, check it out
2: sure uh, I think that's all I got for this evening uh, anything else no? No. no same bad times on that channel you yeah, know no. oh come on man
5: T-key. there you go